0: Who do we have on the podcast today, G? G, Uma, we have Jake on the podcast today. Jake is uh, a chiropractor friend of mine. Um, we met, um, actually we met at a networking event. This is a funny story as well. And uh, When we met, I remember you were, we finished the networking event and you were leaving. You were literally going up the stairs uh, from this basement venue. And I was like, no, I need to catch this guy. This is, I think 2015. I was like, no, I need to catch this guy. I need to speak to him quickly. And you were literally about to bolt out. And we just managed to exchange details at the time. And then we met up and then, yeah, we hit it off. It was great. Um, so, yeah, really pleased that we got to do that because uh, really, great, really great to know you.
1: And, I'm so um, glad you remember that. I was rattling my head before this. I was like, what I remember <laughs> yeah. is I would come to see you uh, uh, in the clinic. You were helping out with my, uh, with my shoulders and stuff like that. I was like, hmm. but how on earth did we meet? I cannot remember at all. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. great.
0: Yeah, I kind of I racked my brains about it a little bit as well. And uh, but yeah, it was great. It's just uh, it's one of those uh, you know, moments where you just like, like six years down the line, oh, I'm so glad this happened. And yeah, I'm so glad I, like chased you down because um, yeah, you've got a lot of interesting things to say. Uh, so just introduce yourself to us. You know, man. who who are you? What do you do? And uh, how did you how did you get to where you are today?
1: Yeah, so um, so I'm a chiropractor. So I um, I'm a chiropractor with a special interest in neurology. So. I spend most of my time working with people with chronic pain, chronic dizziness. So I don't really want to see you if you hurt your back yesterday or you twinged your neck yesterday. I want to see you probably six months down the line when you've already been through the, the normal routine. So you've uh, probably seen your GP, seen your physio, maybe seen a chiropractor, maybe seen some guys like yourselves, and, and you've kind of done all the kind of the, the first step stuff. And if it hasn't got better, then I'm the the hopefully the person you call next. So I graduated as a chiropractor back in 2009, um, started studying neurology pretty intensely and passed the American Chiropractic Neurology Board exams, uh, I think 2012. Um, And I'm currently in my final year of a master's in neuroscience, uh, in musculoskeletal neuroscience. So trying to, again, understand how does the body control, how does the nervous system control movement, balance, posture, and pain. So I'm a little bit geeky, <laughs> but hopefully, we hopefully, love we love keeps right. on here, man. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Right crowd, that's so impressive, man. That's really really cool. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Yeah, and it's been a a long journey so far, but there's more to go. You know, there's there's uh, we've all got our own heroes and goals. So I'm I'm kind of on the path, and uh, there's still still higher heights to get to. I think. Always, man. Yeah, always. always right.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure, that, that's really interesting. I mean, one thing we talked about before the podcast started was I'm always interested. We're always interested. Mm-hmm in why. So, so tell us like, is there, is there a clear, um, path, a clear inspiration to, to your story?
1: Yeah. So if you want the fully honest version, everything, Let's um, go. Let's so go. the full honest one actually comes from a bit of place in insecurity, I think. So mm-hmm. when I was growing up, my three best friends were all exceptional. So one was just this unbelievably talented, effortless artist. Um, so at age ten or twelve, he's getting paid like five hundred pounds a portrait from from friends and stuff like that to do photo, um, portraits of his wow. kids, and he hated it. So he found it so boring. But he was just this like like Van Gogh, She was just paint <laughs> but would hate it. Another friend was the effortless sportsman. So he basically, put any racket in his hand, and he you know, put a golf club in his hand. Before you know it, he's you know he's competitive. Um, mm-hmm. tennis racket squash racket it doesn't matter what you just give him a ball of some kind and he would be easily county level if you if he dedicated to any one of them he would have you know i'm sure he would have gone hurt further um unfortunately some injuries prevented that and he again didn't have the the maybe the commitment to take it as far as he wanted to but he, he could have and then the other guy was complete um no swear words but he was annoying <laughs> Say <what you> want. <laughs> because he did you both you know he was this great <laughs> artist he was a musician he was a great sportsman and I was oh, wow. Joe Average, I was like in our group, you know, had like the artistic one, the sporty one, the guy could do all of it. And I was the tall, lanky one. And that was literally, yeah. that was how I remember being. So growing up, I just had these guys who uh, um, were best friends, but also this, this massive pain in my ass. Um, and so when I went to university, I don't think my brain really kicked in until I went to university. Mm-hmm. Some I found out, actually, I did have a, um, some talent for, for academics. Um, and neurology was the the one I found most interesting. So I I liked learning a lot at at university. I I found out how you should study. When I look back at how I studied during GCSEs, I realized Mm. it was just awful technique. Mm, Um, But at university, suddenly I found, hey, I've actually got some skill here and there's there's something I could do with it. Mm. When I went into practice, the first two years of of clinical practice are just brutal because you, you come out thinking you're very book smart, and then you realize that really you have no practical skills at all. Um, so all that book smart stuff doesn't really work. It doesn't really fix your your, your patients. They, they need more than that. Sure. So um, again, you start getting that kind of like insecurity of, oh my God, I'm crap. What the hell's going on? Started seeing more and more complex patients that I just did not understand. Um, that I, I had very little to offer offered to. And then one day I was was living in the Netherlands at this time because I wanted to learn a language. So I was living abroad Hmm. and a colleague knocked my door and said, Hey, there's, um, there's this guy called Professor Carrick. Who's kind of like the neurology guy in the chiropractic world. Um, he hasn't taught for ages, and he's coming back to Amsterdam next month. Maybe you want to go and do that. And I was like, yeah, yeah, cool. I'll, I'll go. So me and a good friend went just almost just to get our, you know, CPD points. Um, and it was just the most amazing weekend. It was a three-day seminar. Chiropractors would bring their impossible cases. And these weren't just cases that the chiropractor hadn't been able to fix. They were cases that had been through two or three neurologists, seen multiple GPs, you know, had seen everybody. Mm. Um, and Professor Carrick and Professor Bock, between the two of them, would just do the examination, explain what was going on. And then literally, within minutes, you'd see meaningful changes in these impossible cases. Uh, and and my friend just sat at the back of the seminar. It was almost like some wacko religious, you know, (laughs) we sat at the back literally going, what the hell? And we're both pretty skeptical people by nature. And my friend was like, what can you explain that to me? I was like, no, I haven't got the foggiest, but you're, you're seeing what I'm seeing. Right. (laughs) I remember just having this hallelujah moment. So I sat on the train on the way home and, uh, you know, sun was shining and I just remember feeling like emotionally happy that this clear path had set before me that i had this path to mastery that had these amazing role models who were just so so good i remember i I probably retained less than five percent of that seminar far too much went over my head um but that didn't matter the inspiration was there and then from there i went to a seminar a three-day seminar every weekend uh, every month for two years spent every evening studying Uh, i had the time then single no kids so i just thought right now's the time to go for it invest all the time and money you can so i did Passed the board exams a couple of years later, and and then from then it's been a kind of steady path, luckily. Um, yeah, that's amazing. So that started from place of insecurity, but these days a little bit better, and uh, and feeling much yeah. more. Now it's all about the patient. So these days I don't really care about my own. You know, there's other people better than me. There's other people worse than me. I don't really care about where I am on the scale. These days it's much more about the patient in front of me. You know what can I do? And if I can work really hard and give a little bit of benefit where they've had none somewhere else, then that's, that's great. That's what I want to be. I love that. That sounds like it's come full circle for you to have your own ownership of your own craft. Yeah, I think so. I think so. It's it's a much more stable place to be coming from, um, Mm -hmm. to to learn for the sake of learning and for out of curiosity, rather than Mm -hmm. trying to make yourself somebody. I think a lot of people get hung up on that idea of being the best and, Mm -hmm. you know, being competitive, you know, like you guys, so, you know, it'd be easy to look at what you guys are doing, but like, oh man, you know, they're getting more followers than me. I want to be better than them. They know more than me. Like they're in there, you and me probably only get to meet up once a year or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last time we met up, I think I made a bit of a fuss about you because I was like, Jesus Christ, your skill level has jumped up so much in that last year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, appreciate so I, was, I was teaching a seminar and you were there just asking so many good questions. Every single time you were the one making great observations, asking great questions. Um. So it'd be really easy to look at how much you progressed in one year and be like, "Bloody hell, that's that's challenging to me." But that's not how it should be, right? You should be looking at you, going, "Wow, yeah. God, what what, uh, what a fantastic progression!" and and use that as competition in the purest sense. You know, to raise each yeah. other up. Um. So if you get better, that's fantastic. I want to be competitive with you and try and raise my game uh, as well. Yeah.
0: No, I really appreciate it, man. I mean, like a, a big reason for it is uh, that's that's why I said, it, like, I'm just super happy to have met you because. You've opened you opened up my world to um, movement in a way which I needed it. I really wanted it. That was what I was was really gunning for. I didn't in, in a way. It's also like you don't know what you want, and when you opened that door for me, I was like, I'm walking through. I'm running through. I'm going. And um, so it was. Yeah, it's been super curious. Is that the curiosity, and also part of it was just showing up and like there was. I know there were other chiropractors there, physiotherapists in that seminar as well. But uh, so in the past, I may have been somebody who was just a little bit, you know, oh, I'm just going to know my place a little bit. I'm not going to I'm just going to let the other people do their thing. But I was like, no, no, I, I made a conscious effort to just ask all the questions, as, even if I did sound stupid. And um, and so, yes, yeah, so that's why it was just such a fruitful weekend. But it was also um, yeah, just really driven by the curiosity and like, you know, if, if you're saying like you know, the, the amount that I've um, improved in that year is like, you know, you're a part of that as well, whether you knew that or not. So um, yeah, no, 100% is like, I, I learned like, you know, when I start watching people and I'd like, um, it's a few people I'm like, okay, they've got something useful to say. I definitely want to pay attention. You know, I just take it away. I just think about it. And and uh, yeah, you're definitely one of those characters, man.
1: Yeah, thank you. And that's the key to it. I think a lot of people who attend seminars, whether it's with myself or others, the, mm. the place they fall down, is they listen in a seminar. They don't really engage. Um, mm. So I remember talking to a guy who, who was kind of bragging about how many hours of neurology seminars he'd done. And then we went to a seminar together, and he was asleep at the back of the room. I like, what? Oh, you man. A thousand hours of neurology seminars, and you were asleep yeah. for three days? That doesn't count. <laughs> and there's no way when you go back to normal work life, you're then going through all the notes and understanding the way it was communicated. There's no way. Yeah. So what you need to be doing is when you're there is actively learning, actively listening, Mm. engaging, asking questions. The best thing is to, is actually the ones you get wrong is the ones you, you, the one where there's almost a bit of an embarrassment factor, that's the ones you remember. Mm. You know, you put your hands up in front of 300 people, get the answer wrong, you remember what the answer was. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs)
0: exactly.
1: um, And it's so much easier to get the answer wrong in your head, hear the right answer and go, oh yeah, well that's what I meant.
0: Yeah, Yeah, No, it's too easy.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly
0: because when you when you do it, is what's that line Is like um, um, be a full uh, oh I can't remember I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mash it up but it's just basically be a fool once but then be a master for the rest of your life or something like that it's Yeah. Um, um, oh, yeah saw it. on, yeah. on
2: your WhatsApp profile yeah exactly I was a, just thinking yeah this, that's uh, the uh, one yeah it's like uh, there's oh, a no, quote I'm going to try, a a try and paraphrase one. it now so to be, <laughs> yeah. to be the master, you have to first be the fool or something like that. Yeah, yeah exactly.
0: Like, the, yeah. Know, being, yeah. being the fool is a precursor to being the master. That's it. Yeah. Okay. There's so, another one I
1: love about that, which is um, what the master does in the beginning, the fool does in the end. Yeah. And that that's one's it. a cool one because it applies to so many different levels, like yeah. exercise, diet, uh, finances, whatever it is, like whatever the uh, wise man, sorry, whatever the wise, the wise man does in the beginning, the fool does mm-hmm. in the end. I think that's a, that's a good one too. You know, people who think yeah. about things make a change early on and it's only when everyone else has done it that the fool thinks oh i should do that too by which point yeah. you're probably too late and you've missed the you know you missed the whole point
0: yeah exactly is uh, you've just gotta yeah just don't be afraid to ask the stupid questions because you're not gonna be stupid after that
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah and and probably. i think you're that whole thing about knowing your place um the titles are nonsense <laughs> like they're they're just a I know guys who have got the same qualifications as myself and are vastly better. Um, mm. And yet, if you see our names and titles on a piece of paper, you would say we're the same level. Yeah, they're massively better mm. than me. And I know other guys who got their qualifications thirty years ago and haven't done anything different since. Um, sure. And I wouldn't. I wouldn't refer friends or family to go and see them. So titles. You know, I, I remember for us. As chiropractors, the one we're always intimidated by is uh, any doctor, so particularly a GP or something like that. We always tend to bow our head and, you know, not make eye contact to say, yes, sir, you know, whatever you say. <laughs> and a member of a GP coming to train us um, at university and he said, hey, you need to hold your heads up higher because there's some areas where your training excels. Um, so one of them was looking, he was talking about uh, looking in the back of someone's eye because the eyes are the window to the brain. So you can see a huge amount of information about someone's health by looking in their eye. And he was saying that um, he does assessments for GPs. And one day they go in, he asks the guy, it's called fundoscopy. So he says to the guy, Hey, can you do fundoscopy? The guy doesn't know how to turn on the machine. He bursts into tears. And he says, What's wrong? He said, I'm so sorry. I missed the day we were taught that. Um, and his whole point was like, You don't know what someone else's skill is. Just because they've got a title mm. doesn't matter. It doesn't mean they're better than you. So if you know you're working your ass off, doesn't matter what you want to call yourself, take yourself out of your box of like I have to be this and, and just be be the best you can be. So, you know, that really helped me. I thought, yeah, from then I kind of stood a little taller when you're in, in other company. Yeah.
0: yeah, for sure. I think um yeah, I think that's the, an important
1: lesson. I think the advantage you guys have is that like you can be anything. Um mm. chiropractor, I have a, a definite um treatment remit. You know, I have certain things I can do, I have certain things I can't do. Um, and if I was trying to do those, it would be inappropriate. And I would I land up in trouble. I think the advantage you guys have is you can, like the world's your oyster, really, isn't it? You can learn what to do. You can be, you know, you can um, brand yourself as anything you want to be, which is amazing.
2: Mm. Yeah. It's a really we interesting, just, uh, such an interesting point. Yeah. We, we, we always talk to you about like uh, Jordan Peterson's line about like uh, plural potentiality of youth, right? And I always find that mm-hmm. PTs exist in that space, right? We, mm-hmm. can, we can be everything, but sometimes in, in, in line with what you're talking about here, with holding your head high, sometimes you end up being a lot of nothing, just kind yeah. of a few kind of things spread all over. It's, it's interesting that you, from your perspective, you're very focused, and that. Do you see that as a limiting thing, or do you see that as a as a focusing thing that helps you
1: move forward in a particular direction? Yeah, I have. Um, I think I have a few areas of, of interest that I tend to to fluctuate around. So hopefully, I'm always going in the same direction, but sometimes I go probably too far in the neurology direction um, and I go down that road for quite a long time to the point where it's perhaps no longer that clinically relevant and that's my whole point is it needs to be applicable to the patients I'm in there's no point for me learning a lot about um, let's say the Parkinson's disease on a cellular level it, interesting to know but it's I don't I'm not really using that in my daily clinical life so uh, fortunately by the time I get to that point I tend to lose interest I get a bit bored and then I might talk to, to guys like yourselves and suddenly I think actually I want to learn more about uh, mobility and then I'll go off you know away from neurology for a while and I'll look really into mobility for a long time and then get again to the point where I'm like well I'm not I'm not a PT I'm not like why am I spending so much time and then I lose interest and then I'll go oh I just saw an interesting case of headaches I'm to headaches and I'll so I tend to I tend to kind of zigzag between different things i've always been that way i'm the same with um uh with exercise Mm -hmm. like i often will get really inspired Uh, rock climbing is my one well until lockdown rock climbing was the one i was really inspired by and you watch these guys who are just you know guys and girls who are just like spiders um and i'll get really into it for about three four months and then i just start to lose interest and then i Mm. want to do mountain biking and so it's it's a bit of a shame sometimes because it means i don't always I don't always hit PB or I don't really excel to the point where I'd you know, i love to run a, a 5K in under 20 minutes. That's been like a goal for ages. Mm. But when you start to get to a stage where you're running 5K two, three times a week and it's starting to get a bit boring, I'm like, oh, I just, I'm just bored now. I want to exercise <laughs> to, for fun. Um, yeah. okay. And then I'll, So exercise-wise has always been that way. And I think in terms of my learning, I'll often do the same thing is go down one path for a long time, get a bit bored and then think, well. But I'm. I think curiosity is my... Is my main strength. I'm, I'm mm. passionately curious um, to a point where my poor wife is just bored senseless because every evening I'll be like, "Oh, today I read this thing." <laughs> Yesterday I was like, "Did you know there's twenty thousand different types of moss?" She was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> <How much laughs> you think that's interesting? I like, <laughs> "Yeah." Oh, I think it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Did you know moss is the one of the most basic plants in the entire on the entire Earth? And it's found <laughs> everywhere, apart from deserts. It's like...
2: Gee, <laughs> yeah, like... gee, we have our quote for this week, brother. We have our quote. you there. Just Did you it. know? You're going <laughs> that twice. You're hear that ever again on our podcast. Yeah, yeah jokes exactly. Moss is where it's at. We've been missing this yeah. week, my man.
0: Yeah. I, know. So, I thought we were going to be talking about the nervous system, and like, yeah, we're going to go off on a tangent about moss. This is going to be epic. <laughs> hey, I've got like about twenty
1: minutes about moss. I can tell you. Don't worry.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, amazing.
1: How my, that's how my brain works. Is that I like, be like oh, yeah. that's really interesting. Um, yeah, fun. I guess that's your own little
2: superpower. You know, you talked about your friends mm-hmm. in their own context when they were younger, but the fact that you have this curious, various mind—that's that's, yeah. thats that's just as just as valuable, man.
1: I think so, and it's something I've really trying to be uh, trying to cultivate as well. So it's something i yeah. I've got a two-year-old son, and it's something I really try to encourage with him. Is um, it's really easy with kids when they're breaking stuff and doing stuff to be like, "No, don't do that." Whereas with him, I try to explain to him why that wasn't so helpful. Um, mm-hmm. So the fact that our wall has pen marks all over the doors—that's just him seeing. Does pen work on walls? It's like wow. yes, it does. It works great. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought, I thought you was your decorator for your clinic. <laughs> <I wish. laughs> yeah.
1: um, so that's, I think, if, yeah, if that's one, one skill I think I, I want to cultivate myself is that lifelong mm. learning, curiosity, even if it doesn't seem, the mm. other thing I think also is um, I became convinced about probably, about, well, probably when you and me met Grind about four or five years ago, mm. that there must be a w- better way to operate my business. Uh, or there must be a business out there that I haven't, that isn't around. It is genuinely unique, is a new thing. Um, but there's no new ideas. You just we're all standing on the on the shoulders of giants, so or on the heads of giants, whatever that quote is meant to be. Yeah, um, shoulders, yeah. So there's no new ideas. So all it is is current knowledge or, or ideas, and then you just twist it a little bit, and then oh, lo and hold, you've got a new idea. So I just started reading. Uh, really wide stuff a lot of stuff that doesn't apply to my work at all um, so uh, learning a lot more about psychology um, philosophy I spent a lot of time last year learning about stoic philosophy uh, this year I have started learning more about Japanese philosophy so just trying to learn a wide, like, wide range of stuff and then hoping my brain at some point goes click we've got it yeah. um, and not trying to f- not trying to focus on it you know just allow my brain to to simmer over and maybe maybe do something if it doesn't that's fine i've learned a lot of interesting stuff um yeah. i think a lot you know when i listen to the i love the self-help genre um but a lot of it is kind of on you you know you need to do more you need to focus more work harder sleep less or what kind of stuff and i think actually sometimes that intense concentration on one thing probably isn't so helpful mm, yeah have you guys ever looked at any of the um red or, or looked at any studies where they've looked at elite performers and you know there's Mm. this kind of famous ten thousand hour rule yeah the the one that's just been bastardized heavily absolutely (laughs) so that that is a thing you know yes the more time you spend on something the better you get um but most of the truly elite you know the the legends that we all talk about uh let's say roger federer you know Mm. arguably the greatest tennis player of all time it'll be a long time before you can not um he didn't commit to tennis until his late teens before that he was too interested in wrestling and and, uh, and other things and there's football as well absolutely so there's so many musicians artists just who, all the elites they did a whole bunch of stuff learned their crafts in different areas got their you know movement balance coordination thought processes in place and then went right the one i like best is golf uh the yeah. one i like best is tennis and yes occasionally you have someone who just did that one thing um but they've shown it in every field so Pandemics, um, guys who who predict uh, how severe a pandemic is going to be, when they've only only done that job, they predict their predictions are way worse. So they predict it's either going to be nothing or you know death on an untold scale. The guys who have jumped from field to field are much more accurate, um, and even Darwin and stuff like that. You know, we always think he just looked at. Those things. Whereas most of these scientists, the really great ones, Einstein, everyone, they looked at loads of stuff and then occasionally had a really good idea. So that's my thought process.
0: Yeah, yeah, try, I try I can, to read Yeah, for sure, I can certainly appreciate that as well. I think um, nowadays I'm trying to follow more polymaths, like, like mm. under, like understand how people who have exposed themselves to different fields think. And uh, what you said about like you know Japanese philosophy, Stoic philosophy, but then reading about moss whatever it is is like you get a greater appreciation for how life works you start to form a better mental model of how the world around you works and um and so yeah so when i realized like when i've kind of like written down I was like what am i actually interested in mm-hmm. and it's things like you know, mindset evolutionary psychology evolutionary biology uh, neurobiomechanics neuro just if that's a term um and just and being like okay cool if these are the things where do they overlap and they overlap in my line of work. And okay, what are the problems that I can solve, help solve with that uh, that level of curiosity, which is actually let's just help people fulfil their you know human potential. Let's get them physically fitter and healthier. And um, and but having done that is um, and just then just exposing myself to people who think a certain kind of way, um, who have that broad spectrum of um, not just curiosity but actual the way that they think you can apply their level of thinking to any kind of um, any kind of system or any kind of um, industry or any kind of uh, study and that, then you realize that actually we're not limited, we don't necessarily have to be limited by our specialism. We can actually learn to think in a certain way which allows us to draw from lots of different places. And so to your example about using you know, using the pandemic as an example, all, that, all that's all that been done, at least in our country, is we're just going to ask these uh, health crises experts, this this medical officer, what needs to be done. Whereas actually, well, what about the economists? What about the people who are actually in charge of health and fitness? And all this is like, let's yep. figure out um, a broad way of coming up with the best solution as opposed to here's this one route we're going to go down when you have no clue about the complications and the implications of that by going through other routes. So, yeah, and I find that it actually helps inform my work as well. And, and I don't know how you see that, Jake, as well, but I, I certainly feel by broadening that horizon, broadening that spectrum of thinking, um, it, like, it allows for better mental models and therefore I feel like I can apply uh, to my, uh, be better uh, better at the work that I do. Absolutely.
1: We, we often uh, uh, kind of warn people that if you go to a surgeon, expect that he suggests, expect for him to recommend surgery. And if you go to a dentist, you know, or if you go to a rheumatologist, expect that he's going to recommend some kind of medication. If you go to a GP, you know, everyone, whatever your speciality is, you're probably going to recommend that thing. Um, it's the hard part is putting yourself somewhere in the middle of all those guys and trying to look at everyone and say, okay, Genuinely the best one for you would be this and it's the same. It's the same with all situations is that you don't Mm. you want it's hard That's why that's why we don't do it Mm. And we, a lot of what your brain does is try to make everything automatic. So Mm, Consciously you're not dealing with a lot Um, Mm. Subconsciously your brain is is doing all kinds of amazing processes um, Making decisions for you on your behalf Um, Have you guys ever read that uh, thinking fast and slow? By Daniel, no, I can't just. Yeah,
0: I've got it on my reading list as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, so it's fantastic. Um, so that's a, that's a book that really changed my opinion of myself. Is hmm. just realizing that most of what you do is a snap judgment. Uh, it might be a good snap judgment, and it probably is. You know, it's probably approximately the right answer, but sometimes it's not. Um, but the problem is your brain convinces you you like things that are easy feel comfortable. Things that are difficult are unpleasant. So thinking hard about complex issue brexit for example was a great one should we be in the EU? yes or no oh my god that's the most i mean you you could probably study for years and years and years and not come up with a definitive answer yes or no so what people do is make a stat judgment i don't like immigration yeah we should leave um i like i don't like the way british farmers are being uh, uh uh treated yes we should leave um oh i like having a weekend in amsterdam we should stay so it's that kind of snap judgment. Now, if you looked at it, if you step back and look at it, you would realize that was rubbish. That was a, if someone else did it, you'd be like, you're so biased. That's an awful decision based on the fact that you like a weekend in Paris. Um, but we all do it. Mm, yeah. We all have moral superiority. That's another one that we all think we are morally superior. Even, even criminals in jail will justify why they're there and that it was for a morally superior reason. Um, mm. especially Ford. Ford is a big one. It's always, I'm not the bad guy. I might steal 20,000 pounds from my boss, but he's not been paying me enough for years. You know, it's always the world's priority. So um, yeah, everything's, everything is story and perception, your own perception of it. Mm. And based on, can I get a bit geeky with you now? Please 100%. do. I'm so interested in what you're talking about, man. This is amazing. Yeah, exactly. Come. <laughs> your, your brain uses um, feedback from your eyes, ears and body. So your muscles and joints. So, your visual system, your vestibular system, and proprioception. Um, And it uses that sensory input to create a map of your body and your environment. And once you know who you are and you know where you are, you can then decide how to interact with your environment. So um, moving basically towards a target or away from a target. Do you move towards the apple or away from the snake? And that's the basis for everything. So the primary goal of the brain is movement. So as long as movement's working okay, then everything else... um, And movement is not just... Can I move my arms? Can I move my hands? It's uh, control of my heart, control of my gestion, digestion, the, the ability to, to go to the toilet, okay. It's, it's all of those things. Mm-hmm. So as long as movement's working okay, um, we also then have hopefully good cognition, uh, and cognition and movement are, are very similar. Um, that's why if we see someone has a, a, a real problem with movement, they normally have a change in cognition as well. And also if you change cognition, you, see, you normally see a change in movement as well. Mm-hmm. So your reality is based on processing sensory information in the now, comparing it to past events to make predictions about the future. Mm. And, And that's as complicated as it gets. So your reality, who you are, is based on what's happening now, what happened in the past, and what do I think is going to happen in the future. So if the door suddenly opened and someone came running in, my reaction might be like, oh, cool, it's my wife with a screaming child. That's perfectly normal. No stress reaction, just like, hey, yeah, fine hand over. I'll, I'll do both at the same time. Um, your reaction might be to jump out the window because you might a guys come to you know, break into the house and rob you. You might have had a scary past experience. Um, you know, I'm sure you've had it where you're driving in the car and there's traffic slowing in front of you and someone in the car goes <gasps> and grabs hold of the car, slams their feet on as if they're trying to hit the brakes. And it's just annoying. Well, I've never been in a car crash um, but if you've been in a car crash your, your brain is saying hey I, I we're processing similar sensory information but our past experiences are different um so that's yeah that's your reality so I think the important thing I don't know why I've gone down this route but it's, it's one thing I always try to think with with my patients is try to be patient with them because what they're experiencing now is different to me and their past experiences mean let's say pain for me, what might literally be just a little bit of a niggle, I'm not worried about it, two days' time, it'll be better. For them, that might be, oh my God, I've had this before. This is that recurring pain that comes back every two weeks. I don't know, there must be a muscle tear. Maybe I've got joint degeneration. My dad had something like that. I'm not going to be able to move my shoulder. Oh my God, I can't not be able to work. Um, so I try to always think about that as well is, is when someone's not behaving the way that I would to the to try and remember, well, of course they're not. They're never going to. We've not had the same experiences. Uh, so, hmm. Their versions of of current events, it's that classic one, right? You're looking at a chair from two different directions. It's the same chair, but you two two different interpretations.
0: Yeah, there's um, yeah, there's definitely. So this leads on to like a bunch of questions that I had um, for you prior, thinking about it prior to prior to the, uh, this conversation. Um, I'll start. I'll start kind of at the beginning a little bit because the pain. What you touched on pain there as well, that's something we definitely want to talk, talk about because. Um, me and Umar have clients who deal with varying degrees of pain and um, people are listening. I'm sure they've got some uh, some aches and niggles, some of them that they want to take care of. But talking about the, the nervous system as well, can you delve a little bit more into about its role um, compared to other systems of the body and its importance to us actually thriving?
1: Yeah. Um, it's basically the nervous system is... I'm going to say it's in control. Uh, it's coordinating at least. So uh, it, yeah, that's how I that's how I view it, it's the general. So you know, you, you have to have a heart, you have to have lungs, you have to have intestines, you, know, you have to have kidneys, all this kind of stuff. But nervous system minus is connecting everything together and orchestrating the orchestra. So it has the ability to say to one area, area of your body, do more, do less. Um, but it's constantly monitoring all the time. And it's constantly processing sensory information to uh, help you move towards or away from targets. So movement's the easiest one to think of when we talk about that, but it's also for digestion. So as soon as you start, as soon as you put a piece of food towards your mouth, your sense of smell subconsciously, before you've even said, hmm, that's lovely hot chocolate. Um, as soon as it gets near you, your subconscious has already activated nerves that go into your brainstem and say, hey, I've detected a sensation, get uh, salivary glands ready. And then as soon as your jaw opens, the same thing, hey, it's coming in, as soon as it touches your tongue, you get more taste and it says, yeah, it's here, salivary glands go, and now I want to activate chewing muscles. Um, As soon as those chewing muscles start going, they start trying to activate, again through sensation, swallowing muscles. So everything is just sensory uh, uh, networks. Hmm. The nervous system really, if you're looking at movement balance, posture and pain, you really want to consider how is the nerve system. First of all, is it, is it working? You know, Very simply, on or off, is it broken or is it, is it healthy? Um, so if I, if I was the world's strongest man, uh, let's say I had the most incredible grip strength, I could you know, crush a melon in my hand. All you'd have to do is maybe damage the sensation from my hand and suddenly I've got no power and I would not be able to coordinate my hand well enough I would still have all the muscle strength and the bulk, but I wouldn't be able to coordinate my hand well enough to crush that melon. Um, and vice versa, I could have fantastic sensation. I could feel, you know, the the most minute hairs, and still to be able to get a good grip on that melon, and crush it. But if you cut the the motor side, I've still got all the muscles there, but I wouldn't be able to activate them to crush crush anything. Um, I promise I don't think about crushing things on a, on a regular basis, <laughs> not part of my, uh... that's, that's how
0: you eat. You just crush everything. I just crush things.
1: <laughs> Have you guys seen that thing about someone ripping in half an apple? Yeah. No, oh, I haven't what? seen that. YouTube it later. It's the best thing. I promise the best thing you'll do today is watching them <laughs> um, rip apart a whole apple uh, with his bare hands. It's a glorious thing. Um, okay.
2: <laughs> 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 That's quite random. i've done that before yeah, yeah. but i but i don't i don't i don't is that is that like a feat of strength
1: it's coordination it's coordination. a coordination. Okay, so again okay. as long as you've got the coordination you can rip a heart of an apple and you could do it i could do it uh, you know uh, uh, my wife could do it as long as she's yeah, yeah, coordination. i see i see because right. you you've got to kind of like try and pry and, and and
2: basically kind of work out the puzzle in your hands right it's
1: levers
3: yeah
2: it's levers um, interesting, okay.
1: interesting. I should have brought an so yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've you've seen done it, done, it
2: I've seen it done oh, before, you're... but then I, I, wasn't, I wasn't sure about the context in which Jake was talking about, whether it's like a, like a, oh my God, that's, that's like, I can't believe how strong this balance is. But then when you explain it in terms of how levers work and how you have to kind of slowly, you yeah, know, pry it apart, it makes sense.
1: So, um, so yeah, basically the nervous system is allowing you to control movement balance posture. So I could change any part of your nervous system. And change the way you you move, think, and feel, um, and that's why it's so important. So let's you guys are into um, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Let's say you're the world champion. You are the strongest, most mobile, technically proficient uh, fighter in the world. And let's say during practice one day, unfortunately, you take a, an elbow to the head. Let's say it's the most mild of concussions. You can almost guarantee you're going to see a change in your movement, balance, coordination, and pain. So that's why we see 90% of men who have concussion, one concussion, will experience uh, body pain because their control of movement, balance and posture has now changed enough that when they're just trying to do their daily day-to-day tasks and stress is being put upon their body, they can't stabilize their joints. They can't mobilize their joints appropriately and they start to get pain. Um, We see most people who have concussion have a change in the way their eyes move. So the eye itself is perfectly intact. Think of it like a camera and a cameraman. The camera is still the best. It's still super HD, sharp quality image. But the cameraman now has shaky hands, so the image is still blurred. And again, that might be subconscious. So you say, hey, do you have blurred vision, double vision? No, no, no. But if you ask them to read something, or jump their eyes from one target to another, you'll see it takes a little bit longer for them to focus on that target. You need to be able to see something and say, "Okay, where is it in relation to me? What is it to decide what you're going to do with it?" Um, and that could be a massive impediment. Imagine if you, you know, you're driving on the motorway and you're just trying to find out where your exit is, and it's just taking you a fraction longer to identify um, stains. You know, turn left, or oh, I've missed it. Um, and we see that all the time. So normally, we see a change in eye movements, and we see a change in balance. The issue is bad balance, bad back. The parts of your brain that can coordinate the control of your spine also control your your balance. So we see again in concussion, in particular um, when you hit your head, we see a change in balance and a change in spine. So you might see a change in posture, change in curvature of the spine, change in stability. So for you guys, you might be you know a fantastic um, fighter. You never got injured. You get hit in the elbow. Get hit in the head by an elbow once. And now every time you're fighting, your back keeps going, because simply you can't coordinate the muscles to to resist the different stresses being put upon them. Yeah. Does that make sense. Oh, yeah, yeah, a really it's, interesting. One. Yeah, it's fascinating. So with all movement. So another one. If I get boring, you let me know. But another big one is we know that women are much more prone to having um, knee injuries, particularly like ACL, um, uh, PCL, med- medial meniscus injuries, and we think. The, the reason is, it's not because they're less athletes. It's because as children, we say to boys, go out and play rugby, play football, go and get kicked around, fight, you know, do these multiple uh, contact sports. Women, um, you should just play netball, where it's a little bit slower, a little bit more static. Um, you should do art, you should do music, nice, gentle things. If you can do a sport, you know, it's one on one, it's not multiple people bashing into each other. So their nerve system doesn't develop as proficiently at taking in multiple moving targets and anticipating different forces being put upon their body. So they're stabilizing. Let's say I'm running straight towards you. My body is getting ready for an impact to to stop me getting injured when your body hits my body. But if someone comes in from the side, I need to stabilize against that too. My joints and ligaments do not have enough, often, enough inherent stability to take that impact. Hmm. So for us guys, who have been doing these sports all, all our lives, or at least as children, my peripheral vision is highly trained to see this guy coming inside, and I, and I will stabilize against him. Whereas we think for women, because they weren't exposed to such a level of contact at, at such a young age, because we we you know we I mean, them and say, "Oh, you know, delicate girl," her brain isn't able to anticipate that force on her knee as well, and so the knee goes. Uh, and I can't, I'm not going to make up the number, but it is drastically higher for women. And it's not because they're weaker. You know, it's no, no, none of those old stereotypes. It's not they are the fairer race, therefore they get hurt more. It's that hmm. we didn't give them the opportunity to develop their nervous system. Hmm. That's the so, power of the nervous system. So, you know, hmm. in the gym, they could bench press uh, just as much as, as any man, they could hmm. uh, leg press just as much as any man, and yet they're still prone to more injury. Um, and that's probably the nervous system's inability to, to protect them.
0: Hmm. And then, in terms of like morphological differences between men and women as well so we've got um the pelvis and we've mm-hmm. got the femur uh, coming so the the, sure. the thigh bone coming mm-hmm. coming down into the knee so it produces that q angle so there's the argument that because of that greater q angle um basically the angle between the knee and the hip joint yeah. is greater in women than it is in men that yep. means that they are less pre- um physically less able to handle those kinds of lateral forces but is there an argument then that if they actually were exposed to those kinds of lateral forces when they were younger they do have the capacity to handle them because the nervous system would be more primed to deal with it and they would have built the strength as they went along as they were growing to be able to handle that as well
1: absolutely so a lot of these injuries are occurring when um when athletes are stepping off a foot so let's say i'm playing um let's say i'm playing rugby and I see a guy coming in, and I go to hand off, and I'm stepping out to the side to maybe try and cut in. Cut in. Um, when women are able to look at what's happening, so they've got visual feedback as well, um, the risk of injury is very low. So, and for men as well. So, if you're looking at actively what I'm doing, because we've got visual, vestibular, and proprioception, the, the chance of injury is much smaller. It's when the visual system is looking off at something else, and I have to rely on feeling what happens. That's where a lot of these injuries occur. Um, and so, yes, absolutely. There's a biomechanical argument we had there. But, um, you know, our bodies are amazing, right? If you look at what athletes can can handle, um, you know, look at professional rug players, the forces they are taking now is insane. You know, it's like being hit by a bus. They're, they're insane collisions. Yeah so it's like,
0: that's literally the case as well isn't it with like uh, some force analysis that's been done it's like it's like a
1: 30 mile an hour car crash between right. two dudes it's insane it's insane so if men can handle that kind of car crash and get up the floor laughing uh women can too um and yes that you know barman argument might might be it, it might add something to it um but i think we won't know the answer properly until you have true um equality between the, the sexes and you have you know, just as many girls playing, just as as much football as boys from the same ages. Um, yeah. The can same I way. Ask... Yeah. Sorry, sorry. I, I thought you were going to finish your <laughs> point. I can talk all day. You should interrupt me from
2: time. Yeah. i job going to <laughs> I'm gonna jump, in, I'm gonna jump in. Can I ask? In regards to uh, you said earlier, perception and how the kind of almost like you develop as a person from a young age with your with your own sight on things with your own. Um, experiences mm. how much a role would that then play on things like going through a traumatic experiences in terms of one person's perception in regards to being hit in rugby or being slammed in jiu-jitsu or whatever Huge. And, and standing up and laughing about it or standing up and being like oh my god i'm crushed like yeah. how how does how does that
1: play they, they looked at studies where they um will show uh i'll say high school because it's you know, we all know uh, secondary school, thank you. So they'll show a corridor in secondary school where kids are walking up and down, and they'll show the same video to people who are very popular and really enjoyed enjoyed school, and they will show exact same video to people who are unpopular and hated school, and it's like they are watching two different videos. Mm. The kids see all the joviality and the, com, um, com, uh, the you know friendliness and the people laughing and playing jokes with each other and having fun. And the unpopular guy sees the unpopular kid getting bullied, being ignored, people not talking to them. That, that is purely your sensory, your past sensory experience dictating what your perception of that event is. Um, and for pain, that's huge. So if you, um, the way you get injured even has a big impact. So you're more likely to have chronic pain, You know, pain that outlasts the injury. If your event, if the way you got injured was traumatic. So let's say I'm roofing and I fall off the roof from the very top, and I've got time to slide down and realise what's about to happen before I fall off the roof. Versus I have the same injury, but it occurred doing something silly like playing with my son in the, in the garden, and I and I run headfirst into a tree. The guy who fell off the roof has got way more fear because he's got time to think, oh my god, process all that sensory information, think I'm about to die. John did this. That's how he died. So when he hits the floor, his nerve system is primed to detect pain and injury, to let him know how bad was that. Whereas I'm having a great time, my endorphins are high, me running in trees is just like a funny, stupid thing, we'll laugh about it for days, I'm not going to have chronic pain from that. Mm. Same for car crashes, whiplashes. If I'm sitting at traffic lights and there's a car coming up from behind, and I've got time to watch him accelerating into me, uh, and let's say I've got my kids, so that's that, that, that parental fear for them, Uh, Which is huge, by the way. I don't know if you guys have kids now, but parental fear for your kids is just, as a non-fearful, naturally not neurotic, not anxious guy, um, it's alarming how stressed out about your kids you can feel. (laughs) Um, That injury is likely to become chronic pain. Versus um, lovely sunny day, listening to some good tunes on the radio. uh, You know, have just got you know, had my best ever week at, at work. Um, and not aware of the injury, smash. You know, mm. even if we both come out with the same injury, the guy who had the fear factor is going to be much worse off. Mm. Um, I saw a guy just this week who has um, just a lot of, a lot of issues. Poor guy, chronic pain, disorientation, all kinds of stuff. When we're going through his history, um, a guy tried to burn his house down. You know, that's about as nasty as it gets, right? Someone actively while you're in the house trying to burn the house down. Does that have an impact on, on who you become? Um, and when you look through his history, it's just chronic pain after you know chronic injury. Um, should have been you know he it sounds like he probably could have gone professional if he wanted to um, at the sport he was into, into. But just repetitive injury. You know, imagine how frustrating that must be. Um, how upsetting must it be to know that you are good enough to go pro in the thing that you love, and yet every few weeks your knee goes. Um, some idiot runs into you, just gets your shoulder. Now you can't play for, for three weeks, well, three weeks, for months. Um, so yeah, absolutely. All those past events are priming your nervous system. Your nervous system is being primed in the seconds, minutes, hours, days, and months before a certain behavior. So if I go out and I, I, someone cuts me up in traffic, my reaction to him is not just in those few seconds that he cut me up, it's in the months ahead. You know, how much sleep am I getting? How well am I eating? Am I drinking uh, uh, enough water? Do I smoke? Have I got a stressful job? All that stuff. So I'm quite good in the car. When someone loses their you know, loses their head, I've got quite good. Thanks to Stoic, sto, you know, to the stunning yeah. stoicism for the last year. It's mm. quite being like, I don't know you. I don't know anything that's going on in your life. It looks like a lot of shit's going on. I'm in a good place. So, yeah, you do whatever you need to to, to, to unload and then we'll, we'll get where we're going safely um yeah. whereas you know we don't all have it's not always that easy is it but mm-hmm. that's that's how we should be it's trying to so trying to set yourself up as an athlete knowing that let's say you've got a competition you've got a tournament in, in three months time knowing that what you do today is going to prime your behavior in three months time um, yeah. if you're if your opponent's frustrating you because he's better than you and you're tempted to break the rules or punch him you know, your behavior now and what you're doing now is priming whether you're going to respond well during that fight. Um, mm. It's complicated.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's
0: deep, man. It's really yeah. It's like Yeah, yeah there's, uh, there's there's this, like, so many things that I want to, like, uh, try and delve into as well, but it, it reminds me, so I finished reading a book called How Emotions Are Made by a neuroscientist called Lisa Feldman Barrett. So I don't know if you've come across it or if you've heard about it, but yeah. yeah it. Uh, have, you, have you read it, Jake? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And um, yeah, what, what were your thoughts on it, actually? Oh, that's phenomenal. Um, yeah.
1: I think what we we're talking about earlier about curiosity and reading around, I think that's a great book. Um, and then you want to, to implement it and really think about it. So you guys had Fast and Slow on your list. That's another book you everyone should read. Um, and think about it a lot, think slow,
3: exactly.
1: really <laughs> yeah. how emotions are made is that same kind of one of,
3: hmm.
1: uh, allows you to take a step back and look at your own behavior and say,
3: hmm. Hmm.
1: is that always like realizing you're a, a process, you're a product of your environment hmm. a lot more than we like. To think. Mm-hmm. I, I think one thing I, I took away from books like that is, is the idea that you, you and I think we are one person, that we have one personality. You know, I, I generally would say I'm, I'm calm. Um, I'm a calm person by nature. I'm, I'm hopefully a fairly friendly person by nature. I'm quite energetic, I'm quite passionate. And that's, that's how I like to build myself. But really, I, it's more like a, a globe, right? It's like a sphere. And I'm you know my, my core personality is in the middle of that, but I have access to all the same emotions as, as you and uh, uh, Hitler. And Einstein and, and everyone. We all have the same. We just live somewhere else in that in that sphere. Um, and what's happening on around you is going to dictate which one of those emotions is is accessed. Um, yeah. And the one you spend the most time with. You know? Do you know? Have you guys ever heard about how I can? Pre- if I wanted to predict what you're going to say next, how would I do that? Have you got any any clues? No. This so is the Ben and Brad shit you're about to do. <laughs> so the best way to predict what you're going to say is literally just look at what you've just said. Because the way your brain works, it, it works by association. So it opens up one channel and then it opens up, it's a bit like um um like on phones where you you hold the thing and it opens up all the options. You know, so you want to take a photo, it opens up the options, light, color contrast, depth, depth, all that kind of stuff. That's how our brain works. I, I say the word angry and my brain then opens up everything associated with Andrew, angry. So if I spend a lot of time talking about being angry and frustrated and annoyed and people being idiots. My brain is actively opening up those channels and, and making me aware of people annoying and stupid. And I spend a lot of time there. Yes. So you, you, you really want to think, you know, you're creating channels. It's like uh, the classic one is water dripping on the sand, right? You know, yeah. If one drip just lands on sand over and over and over, eventually it creates a small rivulet that becomes, you know, a little constant stream of water. That becomes a river. Becomes a torrent. Um, and that's the same for the way we think. If you're always thinking, have you guys uh, a bit of a personal story? But I, Brenda I told you I used to live on a boat, right? Yeah, yeah. So I made a terrible mistake uh, <laughs> just when we met, 2015. I bought a Dutch yeah. barge, so 50, yeah. uh, 30 meter boat, big, big boat. Um, Bigger than most people's flats. And my idea was I can't afford a house in London, but I can afford a boat. So I bought a boat. <laughs> it's just the worst thing I have done in my life. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> told me. Everyone told me to see? Uh, friends, family, boat people that. like. people. You know, <laughs> um, you know it's, it's just terrible. The boat was huge. And uh, people I bo- visited who lived on boats said, don't start with such a big boat because if you hate it, uh, not many people want to boat that big, so you, not much of a market mm. to sell to. And also you can't move anywhere else because it's so damn big. There's not many moorings that big. But I was like, oh, headstrong. Nah, nah, no, no, I know better, I'm smarter than you. I've thought it all through, I'm doing it. Mm. Anyway, worst four years of my life. <laughs> I went onto that boat, happy, calm, usual self. Um, we didn't go longer than two weeks without some, something breaking for the first two years, and not, not like a light bulb, the light switch, you know, something significant, the boiler, we went three weeks without any water, and every time I fixed the broken part, something else in that chain broke. So mm-hmm. um, the water pump breaks, okay, change the water pump, the hot water tank breaks, okay, change that, the tap is broken, You know, three weeks without running water, literally filling up buckets to do washing up and stuff. Wow. By the time I got off the boat, all I could think about was, What am I going to do about that boat? Just constant anxiety, stress. I'd wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning thinking about it. Uh, When something would break, constantly during the day, my mind would come back to it. That was the fact that I thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. And my brain had just got really efficient at letting me think through that process. Um, Guys, it was awful, awful. Only time in my life I've ever had anxiety. And now I'm so much more um, uh, (laughs) anxiety-free. Yeah, I, I'm just so much more sympathetic to people who have it, because now I'm get, I get it. Sure. You know, you could be walking down the street, lovely weather, and then this thought pops into your head that's completely irrational. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not irrational. It's that you, my brain has learned life is really tough right now. We need to focus on, on this thing and not think about the birds singing and moss. We need to be thinking about, like, what the hell are we going to do? The shower is leaking into the bottom of the boat. We might literally sink from the inside out. What the hell is going to happen? Um, mm-hmm. Once I sold the boat which took two years, you imagine Mm -hmm. worst two years, constantly costing you money. It took about six months that I didn't think about the boat every single day, multiple times a day. I didn't even own it. It's not even my problem anymore. And yet multiple times a day, I'd be like, God, I wonder what he's done about that shower. I never really did get it fixed. Who cares. It's got nothing to do with it. It's out of your control. Why would you care about that? Um, The residual effects, man, it's mad. Yeah, Yeah.
2: Yeah. absolutely. This, um, this is sparking so many interesting thoughts in terms of like mm-hmm. you know we, we delve into um, self-image and how you see yourself and and, and the the various roots that in, in which you kind of um, exist in the world mm-hmm. starting to pick at changing at the starting to pick at the various branches and changing them now all of a sudden seems so key and so integral to how we ever, however, we're going to move forward. And, and because understanding where you are, why you are and who you are and where you want to move forward to is, yeah. is attached in so many different ways, right?
1: Yeah, I think it's huge. Um, the old adage of, um, you are who you, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with, I think is really true. And I've definitely found that to be true for myself is that, um, the people I speak to the most. I will invariably end up being interested in what they're interested in. That may not always be good. Mm, um, yeah. Um, it can be great, you know. So let's say in terms of personal finances, uh, my parents-in-law are way, way better with that stuff than, than than I was. But, you know, having known them for the last uh, five years, I'm much, much better than I used to be. And that's thanks to the fact that they talk about it so often. Um, and I'm sure it's the same with you guys, you know, being fit and healthy, if you were surrounded by, you know, have you, you've heard of the, um, um, I can't remember if they're called social ripples or, you know, social circles, but I think they call it the ripple. Okay. So if your friend is obese, you are statistically much more likely to be obese. And that's fair enough. You probably eat together, you know, drink together, stuff like that. But if your friend's friend is obese, you're still much more statistically likely to be obese. But if your friend's friend's friend is obese you're still much more like so these things are really important that the people you spend the most time with are focused on the same stuff as you mm. um, i definitely have it it's sometimes good but but that when i'm getting really into something some people of my inner circle will be like "Oh for christ sake jake like moss <laughs> come on <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes that's good yeah i should not be spending hours and days focusing on moss but I should probably do that as part of my masters, get obsessive about some areas. And I think that's what, you, if you can, is to, to spend time with people who are a little bit obsessive in the areas that you want to be. Um, so if you're looking at, let's say you're looking to start your pension and you want to start investing, you don't want to do that half-heartedly and think, oh, well, you know, my mate John put some money in and he's, you know, has bought Bitcoin and it's gone up 200%, he's done really well. I'll just buy Bitcoin because that's what he's doing. You want to spend time with a friend who's a, a banker a broker an obsessive someone who spends all their time thinking about it so that, that rubs off on you a little bit you might not want to become a broker i think you know sitting all day in an office looking at numbers and graphs going up and down is my idea of hell yeah but having access to someone like that is good um mm-hmm. and same with you Grinda. you know i've seen some of your i think last time we spoke i was i was talking about that video you did where you um it was like a mobility balance exercise i described so you're on the floor you had a uh, um, stick. Yeah.
0: Oh, stick on the feet. It was yeah. a for a stick, you know, a pole, yeah, uh, dowel. a
1: dowel. Thank, Thank you.
0: Dowel. Yeah, that was it. You had a dowel
1: you were rotating around the floor so that you were going from kind of supine to prone and keeping that dowel balanced. That was amazing. What <laughs> did I do? The next thing I did this I tried it and I was, crap. <laughs> yeah. um, but if I spent time with you, and we talked about it a lot and I watched you every day, which I probably should, no doubt i would find myself doing more and more of the good things that you do so i really think maybe you don't need to cut people out of your life but you definitely want to communicate people um who are down maybe further down the path that you are that then um, yeah. yeah, use them as reference right? yeah
0: yeah exactly yes.
1: and having someone who will call bullshit my wife is yes. is great at that um yeah awesome so i'll listen to a podcast or read a book and then be like so Enthused about it and tell her about it, and she just gives me such an eye roll and like oh, that's just yeah. obviously nonsense. And I hate, <laughs> it. I hate it yeah. when she does that. Yeah. You want that confirmation bias? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I have but a couple days later, I'm like, yeah, okay, fair enough. I'm glad I didn't go out and buy that thing. That was a waste of time.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I got uh, got a good piece of advice from um, Precision Nutrition uh, former owner John. Uh, John Berardi, he's just, you know, he's just a smart dude, balanced guy. He says, look, anything that you read, um, if you find yourself really agreeing with it, go on Google and then whatever that thing was, type in criticism afterwards Mm -hmm. (laughs) and go and find out the things that are against the point of view that you've just subscribed to. And um, I found that to be pretty useful. So it's like, you know, same as you, pretty blown away by um, how emotions are made. And like, you know, I think it's because uh, for a lot of people, at least the way society views emotions, it's going to be quite a paradigm shift for people to think about uh, how she's put, uh, proposing it in the book. Um, but for me, it's just like, OK, this, this seems to, this makes sense to me. Is like, you know, from what I the rudimentary stuff I know about the brain, about my experiences and stuff, OK, this makes a lot of sense. And, um, and I'm really appreciating what she's writing. So when I finished the book, the first thing I did was How Emotions Are Made, Criticism. And I tried mm-hmm. to find some stuff. But actually, funny enough, there wasn't a much stuff that I could actually find. But I did find one thing um, from one person. But it was more of criticism of like the structure of the book. I was like, yeah, whatever. That, that, that's not what I'm looking for. <laughs> but um, and, uh, and to be honest, I thought the criticism was a bit nonsense itself. But uh, I think that's that's a good way to kind of catch yourself just to make sure that you don't go too far one way
1: yeah i think that's a great habit i think that's a phenomenal habit. I think a people would do that uh, yeah i i really try not to take my own opinion too strongly um yeah. because i know it's based on heavy heavy levels of bias um and you're all, all subconscious um yeah. you know I've have you ever that way. have you ever typed into google types of um um cognitive bias and there's literally like a list of 50 different types of bias you can have and apply yeah every day all day without even thinking about it yeah um, exactly. and again when you look at the pandemic you look at brexit and you've got this huge divide of mm. you know your brain is the hero maker that's the way one uh, one author describes it it's the hero maker so you're the hero everyone else is you know the bad guy or the or the fool um mm. well that's just nonsense that's absolutely nonsense yeah. and most solutions the answer is somewhere in between two opinions isn't it um yeah and so yeah. i think i think being able to step back and be able to say yeah okay that's your opinion and i've got my opinion but the answer probably is somewhere between the two Mm. Mm. also the idea that your brain is just your brain is literally stuck in a black room it doesn't it doesn't have eyes it doesn't have ear it's just processing sensory information as it comes along a nerve Um, and like we said earlier your the way you interpret information will be different to mine hopefully pretty similar but they will be slightly off. So the world that you live in is different to the world that I live in. Mm-hmm. You know, so the events it's that you see here are different to my events. So why would I get so angry about the way that your that your opinion about something? Why would I guess so, it's different to mine? Your, the world you're living in is different to mine. Um, yeah. And that affects that our movement as well. And that's why with movement stuff we can't just say. Um, um, you have to go through this, you know. I don't know. You must be able to do this exercise. This is, you know, fundamental. Exercise. You must be able to do it. Their body is different to mine, their, their nervous system is different to mine. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe they just can't do that. It'd be good if they could, but maybe there's a different way to do it. Um, yeah. it's, I think with, with pain and back pain, I used to try and be really specific about what was hurting them, like what structure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know there's still a good argument for that. You know, especially you know, is it is it muscular? Is it ligaments? Is it uh, joint capsule and you know, stuff like that? But these days, I take it with more of a pinch of salt. Your, your nerve system is the one detecting the pain. It, it the way it interprets that pain and describes it to you is going to be different from one person to the other. So me not even in your body, then trying to interpret it with my my sensations and my own biases. You know, I my bias is um, is neurology, obviously. Um, So, I need to really be careful not to just say, well, it normally is neurology, so it it must be. Especially because a lot of patients that come to me, if they haven't got better and it's that chronic pain, the nervous system is always involved with that. So, I've got to be really careful that I don't have a bias of saying to everybody, it's it's pain sensitization, it's peripheral sensitization, central sensitization, um, all that kind of stuff. Yeah,
0: there's certainly a line that. Go on. I was just going to say, yeah, there's certainly a line that you can cross because I've had the experience in the past with a former client of mine who went to see somebody who you know started list, started reading or researching the recent uh, pain science at the time and was like oh everything's in your brain. So I literally yeah. told her like it's all in your brain. He was mm-hmm. like no no I can f- I, I feel it in my back. <laughs> he was like no no it's in your brain. I was like he's doing an awful job of explaining to you how pain actually works oh, and he's making yeah he's just making you feel like uh it, you're, you are the problem like it's not that you have a problem. And it was just awful and um
1: you just described, uh, yes, yeah. to, to lose a patient's confidence.
0: Yeah, exactly, and then just also make people feel hopeless as well. You know, is uh, oh, okay, I can't do anything about this because this is just the way my brain works. It's like no, no, there's, there's, it's a complex thing. Um, Umar, you had something to say because I want to ask you more about, uh, more about pain.
2: No man, I was enjoying listening. Keep going, keep going. yeah I don't want to disrupt the flow that'll
0: that'll come back that'll come back yeah yeah okay cool because it actually so on the pain point right so um we just talk about like pain is a complex thing. And I had like a bit of a multi-layered question for you. So, and you're talking about how, you know, we perceive pain, um, your perception of it is biased by your experiences, somebody else's perception of their pain is biased by their experiences. The fact that I'm even using the word perception to describe pain as well, is like people are like, no, isn't it just this objective thing? Mm-hmm. Um, so, what do you, because uh, me and Uma also, we deal with clients in varying degrees of pain, so I've, essentially built a career around um, people who have niggles, joint niggles and especially uh, long term back problems, so chronic back problems to actually help them out of that pain and feel mobile again, feel strong again and just actually feel like they've regained the confidence in their body that they once had and so what do you think people actually need to know about pain um, to improve their relationship with it, number one to improve their relationship with their body and then also to get themselves out of pain and, and stay out of it
1: I think number one is that pain is a warning system. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to reflect damage. So mm-hmm. you can start to experience pain because your brain is perceiving that a, a tissue, a muscle, ligament, tendon, joint, is coming to the end of its ability to, to deal with stress. So if you put stress on, on any form of tissue for long enough, eventually it will fail. So that could be like a constant load or it could be repetitive load. But if you hold that that, that, uh, that type of force on it for long enough, any tissue will fail you. Hmm. So pain can start to occur when that tissue is starting to fatigue and it's getting to the point of injury. So it's really good to listen to pain and recognize, okay, I'm getting some pain now. I need to either change change the stress on me or or give it a break and come back later it doesn't mean that you've actively injured something mm, yeah. so i'm putting up uh, loft insulation at, at the moment and i'm boarding over it so that we still have a storage space and if in the future we want to go up into the loft then we've already got a floor there to go into and it's miserable work um <laughs> it's just the work you're wearing a full respirator because it's super disgusting up there um you can imagine there, big rolls, there's not enough room, it's, it's little slope spaces. So I'm 6'4", I'm um, so I'm cr- crippled over in like the worst space. It's, you know, it's just awful. I have my own personal experience of that, having done that with my
2: my sister when I was about 13 years old. Both of us in the loft taking instruction from my dad,
0: being like, don't do this, do
2: that, don't do this. That's
0: crazy times.
2: That's amazing. Great idea. He got
0: you up there because you're small enough to fit in and nimble enough to do the work, right?
2: (laughs)
1: His his big ass wasn't getting up there,
2: so we had to. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing.
1: Um, So the other day, I, I, I basically got to the stage where my back was really slightly, it gone through the kind of odd niggle to a kind of constant burning pain um, around kind of my left ql mm. and so i've of uh, for not, people who uh, don't know what the ql is sorry <laughs> so that's a, a muscle that kind of runs from your um kind of from, like, from the lower ribs and it's going to run down over to the kind of left hip and um, back of your left hip like the pelvis um big powerful muscle mm. and obviously it's just having a hell of a workout in, in a position that i'm not used to working so in a in a deep squat or on hands and knees for a long period of time which is not something i i spend a lot of time doing although perhaps i should right guys but uh, anyway yeah. um so i'm getting this this proper burn burn from kind of left lower back and i look in the mirror and i'm proper wonky like i've i look i basically am alarmed i looked in the mirror i was like oh my god i've I've blown the disc you know that's a disc injury a patient who comes in to see me and has that antalgic posture so their is shifted off to one side like that's often a sign of a disc injury and so i just took a couple of breaths and i was like okay just calmly think about this you've been stuck up there for about six hours which is too long i would have told anyone else break it into half an hour chunks but i had a job to do and we got two kids so six hours um so i uh got got some tools did some stretching said to my wife, old man style, I just need to lie down for a bit. <laughs> so <he laughs> did some, some self massage and basically just lay on the sofa like an like a yeah. old, old man. Um, had some water, had some food, got, out bit, got up and, and was still pretty stiff, but the burning pain had gone and looked in the mirror. And basically what was happening was when I was bending forward, you would see my, my kind of sternum was shifting, obviously kind of left of where my belly button was. Um, And then after having done a bit of stretching, lay down for about half an hour, that was no longer happening. So I was like, okay, what it was, it's not a disc, because if it was disc, that wouldn't have changed in half an hour, there's too much swelling, there's too much pain and and, and chronic injury there. What you were getting is muscular spasm, saying you're stressing out your back too much, I'm gonna lock everything down and try and protect you, but I'm telling you this is hurting because you're running out of time. So then take some time off, take all the pressure off, the muscles will say, okay, The stress is gone. They relax, and I'm back to normal movement. Next day, a little bit stiff. Two days later, absolutely fine. Um, So it's that knowing that pain is a warning system. It doesn't mean you are injured. Mm -hmm. It can mean you're injured, Mm and and it's constantly there. And it's every time you do the same movement, and you've you've tried doing you know you've tried stretching and doing stuff like that. That's when I would say go and you know if you've got pain for more than a month or six weeks and it hasn't gone by itself. That's when I'd say just go and see someone soon. Mm -hmm. um the other thing to know about pain is it's adaptive Mm -hmm. so the mechanism of pain can dictate if it's short term or long term so any injury we call it peripheral sensitization so what that means is if i tear a muscle in my shoulder here it will be more sensitive to touch it will be more sensitive when i move it because again the warning system is saying please give this a rest so i can heal it." problem is if the pain is severe enough or goes on for long enough you get a constant bombardment of pain into your spinal cord and then from your spinal cord up to your brain and those different areas start to adapt and they become more and more receptive to that pain so now i can experience more and more pain that is less and less uh real so if initially i've torn a muscle here and it's painful to touch three months down the line it might be more painful to touch even though the injury is healed because the nervous system has adapted and become very effective at detecting pain if it goes on for long enough the pain can start to spread to what we call secondary sites so it paints the areas that are perfectly healthy but start to experience pain because the pain system has become so strong it tells its cousins you know its brothers and sisters look we're still in pain, I need to tell everybody, warn him that his shoulder is still injured, even though it may not be so real. So that pain science is is a real thing, but it's trying to, as a clinician, um, and I include you guys as clinicians, is trying to differentiate, is it a warning system pain? This person is not controlling flexibility and stability well enough, so their mobility is sacrificed when they're doing a certain task. sitting on a road bike for an hour, their low back is starting to give them a warning signal that they're getting towards the end of their tolerance. Or is it peripheral sensitization? There is actually an injury there that we need to try and help heal. That might involve doing certain movements or exercises or training to take the stress off that injured area while it heals up. Or is it now secondary sensitization? So the injury actually might not be that bad at all. So they're experiencing pain. I'm now experiencing pain down the whole of my left arm and down my left back. Where you need to find the original source of pain. That's the key to it. So if I originally tore on my shoulder here, and now I've got whole pain down my whole left side, you as a clinician need to know where was the pain originally to assess them properly. And the research shows if you can get rid of the initial pain, a lot of that secondary pain goes away very quickly. Does that make sense? Mm, yeah, absolutely. It's, so that from can that be really, attachment point, right? Yeah, yeah. It's so that can bad, be really quick point, is just, just uh, spread. Sorry, say that again.
2: So it's like from that initial anchor, everything is spread from there, right? That's Absolutely. why we go
1: in there first. Would, uh... Absolutely. So it can be hard, because sometimes people forget because if they've had pain long enough, they can't remember how it originally started. Um, so it gets complicated and it can be really tough, but that's the key is, is trying to say, where was the original source of, of pain or stress and try and fix that. You know, Don't chase. Um,
0: uh, don't stop chasing pain. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, really interesting. That's fascinating. Really and then, really interesting. Yeah, because I think that's super helpful for people to understand how pain actually works because it feels like such a catastrophic thing. But actually, when you understand that it's a warning system, and whether you do have pain or don't have pain it, sorry, whether you do have an injury or don't have an injury, it's still good to look at it like that because you realize that you actually, a lot of the outcome. Is still in your hands yeah um, a lot of because that influences so going back to the stuff about perception as well because it's going to influence how well you handle the pain and um, your your subjective experience of that pain as well as yeah. um, and yet yeah, the predictive models and everything like that so kind of going back to um, like incorporating a little bit of uh, how emotions are made and the concepts that were laid out in that um, if we're like the less aware we are um, of uh, the kind of the nuance of, let's say in this case the pain, the the longer the pain can last, the more intense it could be potentially. But if we're able to have in the book she describes it as emotional granularity, where it comes to emotions, the more you precise you can be about the emotions that you feel, the better control you have over your experiences. Um, and then trying to do the same thing with pain. Do you think that's that applies as well? So trying to just literally. Instead of it being like, this is happening to me or I am in pain. Sorry, yeah. Instead of I'm in pain thinking this is happening to me, what can I do about it? Uh, what's my experience of it? And kind of detaching yourself away from uh, away from it slightly to help you overcome it. What's, um, what's a good way to do that?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. I think that's really, really good. Mm-hmm. Try and look at it. Um, there's research to show that if people imagine... Uh, a painful situation from in their own body Mm -hmm. or if they imagine that they're looking at themselves from like a a third person perspective so there's a camera looking at them and they describe their pain uh, where it is how it is stuff like that the person who describes it from a third person perspective will generally say it's less um, less debilitating it's they're suffering less so the pain Mm -hmm. they're, they're suffering less because you're viewing it from an from someone else's perspective. Hmm. Um, and I think that's really important and it's not easy because it sucks when you I mean, when your back hurts feel or something, when you're like, in it, right? Yeah, it's awful. It can be really awful. So um, I think it's important as a clinician not to not to make your patient or yourself feel guilty that they haven't controlled their pain well um, because the, the last thing you want is um, guilt or anxiety. That's always going to make things worse. So it's trying to help someone accept that they are in pain, um, that it's it, that it's not the end of the world. The pain nearly always will get better. It's just trying to find how can we do it the quickest. And like you said, it, it's trying to say when, how, and why does it hurt? Because a lot of patients will say to me, it's just painful all day. I say, OK, so when? Breakfast? Yeah, it's painful at breakfast. OK, and an hour after breakfast, is it still painful? Uh, Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's still there. Okay, give me a number. And you just really get them to tune in. And then by the end of it, it's it's not there all day, is it? It's painful for the first hour of the day. It's stiff for the next hour of the day. But by the afternoon, you're doing everything you want to do. You're pissed off because the next morning it's painful again, which I get. Um, But that gives you a lot more control of the situation. Your brain is is, – its model of the world is to control your environment that's what it's trying to do. It's just trying to control your environment as well as it can. Um, and it gets really frustrated and, and anxious and angry and aggressive when its model of the world doesn't work. So for you or me, healthy guys who love exercise and take pride in our, on our health and our fitness, to have back pain every day. So you can't do your, your BJJ, you can't do your mobility work. That's like my model of the work, world doesn't work. I've done everything right. And now my back hurts. And so you and me would really suffer in that situation, I think, because you're like, well, I'm an expert in this. I know everything about this. Why is my back not getting better? Mm-hmm. Whereas the average Joe, who maybe doesn't, doesn't care about it, I just sit in the chair all day. It doesn't really matter to me if my back hurts, because I'm actually more comfortable in the chair. They might actually do better than us, um, despite the fact that they might be in worse shape. So trying to frame it is, is really important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
0: framing it—that's a great way to put it—is uh, framing the situation, framing the pain, and uh, because of the fact that you get so engrossed in it, it can feel like it's difficult that there's a way out. Mm-hmm. But also, kind of looking to, like, literally looking to a bright future and saying, actually, future me doesn't have to be in pain. Future me yeah. can uh, can be fine. And how long that takes depends on several factors, but one of them is definitely your your perception of where you see yourself in a few months, uh, a week from now, a few months from now, a year from now, like what you're doing with yourself and just working towards that as well.
1: One thing I, I will say to patients is, um, is keep things very simple and say you know, they, everyone knows about the fight or flight response, you know, with mm. deers in headlights, cats, big guys, all that kind of stuff. Mm. So we all know about the fight or flight response. Um, and the other side is that is, is rest and digest. Fight or flight is generally priming you to, to try and protect you. So it's going to probably make you feel pain worse. Mm -hmm. Rest and digest is feel good, uh, good days, happy times, all that kind of stuff. So obsessing about your pain and thinking about all the time and getting anxious, unfortunately is actually making it worse. It's it's, some people, some authors suggest that 90% of the output of your brain is inhibition. So trying to Mm -hmm. stop other processes from happening so 90% of the, of the output of your brain, if that's true, is just trying to say, don't do it. Yeah. That includes pain. So if we had two pathways, let's say I'm, pinching my, I'm touching my finger now. We've got a sensory pathway that's, going, that's doing soft touch and vibration. And we've got a pain pathway that's doing pain and temperature. The sensory pathway is huge. It'd be like a motorway, loads of traffic able to go down, speeding that thing at high speeds. The pain pathway is like a bike path, you know, one bike at a time, slowly pootling along. We have the reason it's like that is we have so much pain inhibition. So if you look at the dorsal horn in the spinal cord, so the back of the spinal cord where the pain pathway is coming in, you have um, something called a synapse. So the pain pathway comes in, and basically it has a relay system, like like a uh, like a, uh, a wire in your house, you know, going from the, the from the fuse to your uh, light switch so you have a relay system that relay system can either promote the pain and and pass the message on or it can try and stop the pain and say no i don't feel it the number of synapses that stop pain far 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 exceed the number of synapses that promote pain so that's why now i can really lay into my finger i can really pinch my finger and it doesn't hurt because my brain is inhibiting it saying dude there's no damage it's just my finger, my blunt fingernails pinching my finger. There's no damage there, you know. Big issue. It's inhibiting the pain, it's stopping the pain. If I let you guys pinch my finger, much much earlier, I would say "ouch" and I'd stop it because now my brain's saying, "I'm not the one in control here. You're in control, and you might really you're actively trying to hurt me. You're a threat, so it's going to stop the pain. It's going to stop inhibiting the pain. I.e. It's going to promote the pain." Mm-hmm. Um, when you have when you get yourself stuck in a mental space where you're anxious stressed you're not sleeping well the ability to turn off pain goes down Mm. and unfortunately we start to see the number of um synapses that turn off pain versus the ones that promote it they should be say this one's off this one's on they start to become much much closer Mm. so now when that sensory information bombards the spinal cord it has a much higher likelihood of coming into the spinal cord going up to your brain when you feel it Unfortunately, when it gets up to your brain, that you start to suffer. Mm, yeah. um, so, so it's, it's like I said earlier: the day, the seconds, minutes, hours, months before something happens, you're priming your nervous system. So, this is why we should all spend so much time trying to get ourselves into a good, happy space, so that if we do get injured, the chances it becomes chronic pain are, are smaller. Yes. I say to all my patients: don't feel guilty about your pain, and I want you to take time for yourself. So. If you love having a hot bath every day in the evening, don't feel guilty about it. Just go and have a hot bath. Yeah. Um, if a glass of wine for you, you know, yes, there's reasons why you shouldn't have wine. But if a glass of wine for you is your, like, oh, off switch, I feel great, have the glass of wine. Um, if going for a walk on a, on a rainy, wet day is what you like, just make sure every single day you're going for a walk. Do something every day that is your happy place, that yeah. you literally have. Again, a relay system going from, from the part of your brain that experiences positive joy, emotions, joy, happiness, uh, and it goes straight down to your spinal cord and switches off pain. That's why soldiers during the Second World War, uh, when they got shot, if they got shot and they knew it was the end of their war experience, they often wouldn't feel pain. Because they were like, oh, yeah, thank God in this, that hell is over. You imagine the First World War being in those trenches. It must have been hell on Earth. It's hard to imagine anything worse than being there. So you get shot in the leg. Brilliant! I get to go home versus poor, you know, and you probably feel guilty for your friends who have to spend another day in there. Um, whereas if you, someone shot me, it'd be the worst. <laughs> it would be the worst. Um, but that's all just about what your brain's perception is. What's the story around that pain?
0: Yeah,
1: that's it's interesting stuff. Right? Isn't it? That's, yeah, interesting exactly. Stuff. It's super
0: fascinating. I think um, I think what I'm getting from that is how. Um, how much you can shape your experience of your pain, mm. as well, and how much you are actually in control of it, um, to whatever degree you can be. So, learning the tools. So, you're talking about stress. Um, learning the tools to manage your stresses, um, yep. putting yourself in peace of mind. So, we know nutrition plays into that as well, because the healthier your body is, uh, one thing that happens is less, you know, less inflammatory cytokines flying through the system. So, yep. there's less inflammation in the body. And then um, movement is actually key as well, because you're telling your brain it's okay for me to actually make these type of movements. Um, again, there's there's some nuances to that as well, but you don't want to stop moving because a common thing that people think is, oh, I'm in pain. I say I should stop exact everything that I'm doing.
1: Yeah, I've got a, a little trick. So um, the men of my family have a, a weak low back. That's you know, I, I remember when I was 22 and I got my first episode of back pain. My dad literally sat me on the shoulder and said, "Welcome to the family." <laughs> Great. Thanks, um, man. <laughs> yeah, and uh, my back's normally pretty good, but having kids is challenging. When you, you know, our, our son for the first year of his life did not sleep. Uh, he was awake every two hours, and he'd be awake for hours during the night. So you spent hours rocking him. You know, first-time parents, you didn't know what the hell you're doing. missing yeah. him out of cot, even with trying to do it in good posture, you cannot look after a small child well. They're so much lower than you. Yeah. Um, you, I would find every so often, i start to get some low back pain. And the straightway thought is, oh, god, what's going on? But actually, I'd find if I just did some basic movement patterns, things like stand up nice and tall, and I would just do pelvic tilts, so just rotating my pelvis backwards and forwards. And then I would do a hip hike and hip drop, so just stand on one leg, try and hike my, my hip up on one side, and then drop it down on the other. If I did, say, 30 seconds on one and 30 seconds on the other, by the time I finish, you just feel that spasm in your back relax mm. and all the pain is gone. You get on with your day with no issue. Um, and for me, that was quite powerful, realizing just reinforce that idea of that pain is just a warning system saying, I've been stuck in this certain position for a while now and I'm starting to get annoyed about it. Um, yeah. So just take the stress, move it in a different way. You know, don't say, Oh, I'm going to have to lie down for the rest of the day, my back's hurting. but say, Okay, just what have I been doing? Mm. I've been standing here with a, with a you know, 10 kilo lump. I've just been rocking back and forth for the last two hours. So those muscles that don't normally do that are probably pretty annoyed about it. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to do a completely different movement and try and put the stress somewhere else, um, decompress those muscles, give them a little bit of stretch. Um, And it's amazing how often that does the trick. Now, I'm lucky that I know that stuff. And you guys are lucky that you know that stuff. But a lot of people wouldn't. And that back pain would just be like, oh, god, I can't lift my child. My back starts to hurt. And then the guilt that goes along with, I can't look after my child. A lot of patients, I ask every patient, what's your goal for coming here? Um, because I want to know that what I have to offer is meaningful to them. What I don't want to, you know, if, a, uh, if, you know, let's say something absurd, like they want to be able to fly, and sure. I'm like, well, I can get you to walk, but they're still not gonna really be happy even if, even though I've got them out of a wheelchair, they're not gonna really be happy because they wanted to fly. Yeah. So, it's, sure. I, and I'm sure you guys do the same with your clients, right, is what's your goal? You know, do you yeah, want to be so. in is that realistic or or you know do you just want to be able to be a little bit fitter and healthier um you know, do you want to six immediate,
0: yeah because the immediate thing is like okay i want to get out of pain Is like okay i get that but what do you want to get out of pain for is it something you want to go back to or is this something that you're trying to reach do you just want to play with your kids is yeah. as simple as that but that's the more attachment you have to a more powerful goal um the more likely you are to succeed
1: yeah that's a really good point and i and i think um the emotional parts of our brain, you don't really have a, a good um, connection with words to those areas. So uh, why is quite a hard question to answer. So why do you want to be out of pain? I don't, don't want to, I obviously don't want pain. That's a stupid question. So I, I often, I always say why it's a bad habit of mine. It's, it's something I have on my notes is at the top of the paper. Ask what, you know, mm. what can't you do? And if they can tell me what, then maybe say, and why does that annoy you, or why is that a problem? Um, but you know, okay, you want to be out of pain. What is it? What is the pain stopping you from doing? What does it mean to you? Um, because what is a little bit easier, you know? Well, in the morning I can't put my socks on. Um, okay, cool. So putting your socks on would be would be good for you. Yes, um, but that's something I'm still working on. That's a I often feel with patients that I I don't want to ask them the obvious stupid questions. Say mm. hmm, obviously you don't want to have pain, but it's trying to make myself think. No, well, I, again, your perception of it is different to mine. Um, yeah. You might think Please. you have cancer. I, I want to know. Do you, what do you think is the cause of the pain? What do you think the answer to the pain is? Try and make sure that that our two approaches match. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was kind of mapping their
2: responses and and being deliberate with the questioning to get an appropriate answer to help them understand that their own oh, experience as well
1: yeah mm-hmm. and you can do that for all kinds of, of your all areas of your life really is ask yourself if you try and ask yourself why is that important so you might find yourself really pushing to be i you know whenever you look on so all my adverts on facebook are to, to targeted at me are all about being um uh they really like uh, adverts funnels and and be a ceo and online businesses and it's all like coaching and all that kind of stuff um and it'd be really tempting they've got all these young guys saying like oh i i was poor i had five pounds in my bank i lived in the in the garage of my mom's you know house and, and now i have a ferrari and all these amazing houses I'm rich
3: yeah.
1: um, and it's really tempting to look at it and be like oh man i i should be i should be that guy like, that's amazing i should do that and it's quite good to be like okay why well why is obvious it'd be good to have all that money but what would actually change you know what would you have to sacrifice the stoics would say um that when you behave like that it's like children acting you know playing so you might watch the olympics and say oh man i i i should have been a i should have been a, a 100 meter sprinter i really should have gone for that but the stoics say well you're you're an idiot you're like a child playing one day you want to be an olympian one day you want to be a ceo of a fortune 500 company one day you want to be a, a buddhist monk and go live under a, a mountain just you need to ask yourself what would it actually mean to you what would it actually change in your life and so, from what I'm really about these days is uh, quality of life. That's all I want. So, hmm. rather than people trying to, you know, especially in the, uh, the, the uh, self-betterment industry, rather than people making me feel guilty that I'm not getting up at four o'clock in the morning um, and getting an extra two hours work on someone else, hmm. I want to sleep. Mm-hmm. I want yeah. to be rested. I want to wake up and be in a good mood. Uh, I don't want to wake up and think, bloody hell, this is miserable. Uh, I want a nice life. I want to work them out. I want to work. I want to work with the patients I want to work with, um, yeah. and so I think that that's a really important. Question: To do you guys keep like a, a record of goals and and wants and stuff like that?
0: Yeah, more so in recent times for myself.
1: Yeah, there's a there's a good one yeah, which yeah. I was asked to do a couple of years ago, which is the and I, I'm afraid I, I can't remember who told me it, so I, I would like to give them credit for it, but. Yeah, it's the one three five action plan so uh, one would be uh, your goal so what do you want to achieve three would be um, um, like three key areas that would allow that to happen and then five would be in each of those three categories what five things do you need to do to make those goals to make those actions occur so that you reach your goal and that's quite good because it's really about making yourself say why you know what do I want and why and how would I do about do it and that's good. Better than a vague goal of just, uh, I want to make hundred grand next year. Yeah. Why? What yeah. would you have to do to make hundred grand? That that yeah. may be a lot of sacrifices. Would you enjoy the hundred grand, or would you just be not seeing friends and family? Um, yeah. Anyway, exactly. we're just playing quite a lot there. I apologise. A bit of a random, random thought. No, 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 no. It's that makes a lot of right? sense as well. Yeah, exactly.
0: It's all connected. Yeah, exactly. yeah. It's all connected. Yeah, we like we like tangents, but uh, but it's all it's all connected somehow. Because um, yeah, we're just talking about you know what does it mean to you to get out of pain. In that sense, mm-hmm. and then, and off the back of that, so like changing the relationship with pain, but also I find that goes hand in hand with changing a relationship one has with their body, because, mm-hmm. I've um, people often f- feel like, like I'm a broken mess, mm-hmm. um, I'm busted, I'm shit, or all mm-hmm. these all these different kinds of phrases that they might use for themselves is like, I'm hopeless as well. Like I can't get better. Um, and uh, my body is letting me down. It's, um, not doing what it's supposed to do. Um, what are your thoughts around? Sorry. How sad. Yeah, exactly. It's, um, and it's, yeah, it's just, it's wildly common. So what, what kind of things do you have to, um, what do you suggest to people to, First of all, how does that impact their experience of their body and then any pain that they're in? And uh, what kind of tools do you think are useful to help get out of that kind of mindset, which will help you to improve your situation, improve how your body functions?
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think I, I, you're absolutely right. I hear that all the time. Um, So many patients say to me, like, I'm broken. I'm like, it's rubbish. My back's rubbish. I need a new one. Mm. Um, It's really sad. I often will think, so I have uh, my to-do list. At the top of my to-do list, I have a few phrases that I try to keep in my head, uh, particularly when I'm not behaving the way I want to. And one of them is, um, I am no one and everyone. I am nothing and everything. And the no one and everyone is meant to be, it's like an ego check. So it's trying to remind myself that I'm no one special, like, I'm just an average person, I'm not morally superior, I'm not smarter, I'm not I'm not anything better than anyone else, so I don't have judgments about your behavior, you know, just keep low ego. Um, and I am everyone is the idea that you and me are brothers, like we're so, in the whole wide universe, you and me are so, so closely related. So although it's easy to think me versus them, it's not, like we're all the same, we just have slight different goals and slight different ways of going about it, so that's one. Um, and I am nothing and I am everything is again, remind myself that it's more of a natural thing so i think of that when i'm out in the woods walking and i'm trying to connect uh you know have connection with nature and stuff it's trying to remember again i'm not i'm nothing special i'm not nothing compared to the tides or the mountains or the seas or storm or anything like that um and i am everything is to remember that like i'm just we're just dust dust and dirt that for a brief period of time has become conscious how amazing is that yeah and that's something i try to tell to patients is okay, your knee's bad, but my God, man, like you grew from two cells, from two people, and like a million to, I don't know what the chances were, but it's like unbelievably small. you developed, you've grown into all these things. You can do all these amazing things. Actually, what you are is a whole load of cells all working symbiotically together to allow you to function. And yes, you're going through a stage where a group of cells, a group of tissues aren't working very well to each other, um and we need to do something about that but it's you know it's like someone who has a heart uh, bad heart it's suffering you know if it was your mum you wouldn't be like bad mum need a new one rubbish you know she's got old and rubbish what a rubbish mum you'd be like Poor thing, let's try and support her and help her out and I, that's the trying mentality i try and have with my patients is hmm. that tissue if it's injured is suffering and it's part of your team you know it's one of your guys it's not a rubbish thing that's been attached to your body. It's you, it's one of your teammates. So we need to try and help them out and try and view yourself with more sympathy. Um, you know, not you're not the enemy. It's trying to remember you know, it's all part of you. need to, to, and if you think more positively about that part, you will generally think it will generally move better, it will feel better. Um, it's when you hate something.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I hate my thumb, it always hurts. Oh, bloody hell it's hurting now, I bloody hate my thumb it's going to hurt more because i've now i'm now really focusing on on allowing myself to feel that pain and connect with that pain um, mm. rather than okay my thumb i've got a lot of use out of that thumb i've done a lot of diy i've done a lot of gardening i've done a lot of sports i've used that thumb a lot and it's starting to suffer so okay so what things can i do to take the stress off it how can i help it repair is there any things that i can do to reduce the pain and, and help me along it's just a different mindset isn't it not easy yeah, yeah. none of this stuff is easy Mm-hmm. It all requires yeah. daily, daily work and habit. Um, yeah, absolutely. Again, do I do hate mean? to about stoicism, because that's, that's what I've been focusing on a lot. But the stoics would, would say, um, if you were to chop your arm off <laughs> and put it on the desk, mm. you wouldn't view it negatively. Like it's no longer a part of you. Yeah. So You'd be like, oh, my arm, I've lost my arm. You'd be like, okay, that yeah. part. I had it with me for a while. It was great while it lasted wonderful arm i did some great things with it but it's not with me now anymore it's just it's not part of the team so i just let it rest um yeah. and i love that mindset you know mm-hmm. the, have you heard of the stoic um what do they call it i can't remember mm-hmm. if it's the stoic priest or the stoic philosopher or basically he's a mythical character he's not thought to have exist
3: mm-hmm.
1: but he's the idea that you could be on the torture rack and not feel pain and now no one has has it they're not saying you should be able to do it but it's the idea that mm-hmm you can step back and view it with detachment and um, and compassion. So if they chopped off your, your thumb, not like, oh, stupid thumb, it detached from my body, you bastard, like, idiot, you should have stayed on my body. Like, oh, okay, you were with me for a while, now you've returned. That's a big thought of theirs mm. is you don't own anything. It was with you for a while, and if you lose it, mm. it's returned. If I smash a glass, ah, it's returned. Um, they take it quite far. They also say yeah. that if a child died, you should just – they so say if you love yeah, kissing yeah. your wife and child you should remind yourself it's not your wife and child that you love it's people in general so that if your wife and child died you will not be upset and I always, that's a I yeah. struggle with I'm like, really? Oof, yeah that is like, I'm not buying <laughs> one. one of those and
3: like, one for all
2: all for ones things isn't it Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, yeah. that's tough though Would you say Jake that understanding these biases and and starting to unpick your own experience that that seems like it's 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 the root of your way right now is being very very aware of that and then, and then operating from there with context around pain and you know the 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 actual physiology behind it um, yeah. how would you how would you direct somebody and say start here for instance with with, with this kind of journey because it sounds quite various but very interesting at the same time
1: yeah um i think the best book i've read um that covers all this kind of stuff including pain and uh bereavement and death and dying of cancer and stuff like that is actually Darren brown you know the um Mm, magician um, yeah like stage psychologist i guess someone would describe me as um he's written a fantastic book that i think everyone should read it's called happy why everything is more or less fine and it's kind of like the opposite of the the self-help industry which are very much it's your fault if you're not successful you need to do more you need to sacrifice more you need to work harder um Mm. and he's much more he basically looks at the last three thousand years of philosophy on happiness uh and and basically summarizes what the great thinkers have put. And it's just a brilliant book. I really would say everyone should read that book Um, because it's very humble. And it's that same kind of thing of, he really says, don't aim for success. Don't aim to be the best. Love the process. Um, And I I think that's really, really important. It's just allowing yourself to think, okay, I I would like to get from A to B, but it's the journey that's the important part. Um, And while I'm on that journey, don't get too obsessed with my own thoughts, my own opinions. Um, don't take anything too seriously. Like uh, G said earlier, remember to Google things and say, what's the criticism of that? Um, mm. Because someone will hate whatever you think. Um, mm. It's like if you look at Audible and you look at the reviews, the best book you've ever read will definitely have one-star reviews. Mm. You know, someone saying this is the worst book ever written. It's just a complete waste of time. Don't don't buy it, terrible book. You think, how did you think that? Um, yeah. I think the same with movement, balance, and posture. It, He's trying not to get too obsessed. So one thing, for a long time, we were really obsessed with posture. So you had to have this, you have to have this perfect posture all day long. Um, mm. I don't know, you guys may be told, but I remember being told to brace your abs, you know, brace your core muscles all the time, to support your spine, keep it nice and stiff. Um, and then you look at someone, um, um, uh, Sullivan. What's his first name? Rob Sullivan. Robert Sullivan, an Australian physio, and he basically works with a whole bunch of people and says, that's the opposite thing you want to do. You want to relax, because when you're bracing the whole time and thinking, my back hurts, I've got to keep stiff. I can't let go. If I let go, my spine's going to crumble. It's going to fall apart. Your pain is going to be amplified, because every time you move in a non-perfect way, you're freaking out about it. So his approach is the exact opposite. Is he, he would take a patient and say, okay, flex forward, and just relax into it. And then when they relax and they realize it's not painful, he would point that out and say, how does it feel? Mm. It doesn't hurt as much as you thought it did, right? So relax a bit more. And he'll just take them through different pain-provoking positions and get them to relax into it so they can see for themselves their back is not going to crumble. I mean, you are so resilient. Your body is so resilient and strong. Isn't it a marvel? Mm. Have you ever watched um, bloopers of ski crashes, and you see someone fall down a mountain? there's a guy who found out a thousand vertical feet he fell skiing off piece just bouncing and bouncing and bouncing and bouncing it's horrific to look at quite funny but horrific (laughs) and at the end he's dizzy as hell gets up gives the crowd a wave off he goes yeah oh my god it's amazing so we're not you know
0: on that actually i've I've had this experience because i don't ski so the one time i did ski i bailed so hard after going so fast without realizing how I even started to go so fast but when I realized I started to go so fast I was like oh shit I don't know how to stop and so that's when I started to bail hard right I just lift I, I leaned back the skis went up and I went tumbling I was like <laughs> but it was going on for so long that part way through pretty early on I realized oh this ain't stopping until I just wait it out so no. I just relaxed <laughs> <laughs> so I when I when, yeah exactly I was like alright I'm just, just gonna wait for this to you know, stop happening and I was just like crashing going all over the shop like my knees smashing to the ground my hips smashing to the ground shoulder neck whatever but because I had relaxed from the outcome I was like oh well this is going on for ages now mm. um that, bored. that totally, yeah, exa- yeah, exactly. Just bored from how long it's taking. Is like, okay, well, what am I going to eat when, uh, when this is over? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then, you know, that actually helps because initially you brace, you're really tight. But then it went on long enough where I could just relax into it and just let the falling happen and kind of enjoy it in a funny mm-hmm. way. And uh, and then, yeah, my body was totally fine. <laughs> it was absolutely fine. Yeah,
1: that's, that's a great example. Of it. Yeah. I have one time, time for,
2: isn't it? detachment from yeah. the actual <laughs> yeah. like you're talking about with the pain with the sensation yeah. with oh my god it, it's terrible
1: so no it's not that bad yeah i've definitely noticed that um so i've been quite fortunate to have skied most years and i've we've always felt bulletproof so uh we go with a group of friends all quite high standard um and there's never been any, any injuries and then when we turned 32 uh, we went with a big group and in, in a group of 12 i think we had six knee injuries in one week and that has completely changed my perception of skiing now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Last time I went skiing, I had to really work on thinking. I really got myself in a headspace of, we used to be young and flexible, mm-hmm. and we could, we fell, our knees could bend in any direction and be fine, and now we're old and stiff. And I just need to be really careful I don't fall over. And it's really, you know, I like to ski hard um, and challenge myself. And I, I had, going down, everyone stopped for coffee and it was the last day, and I was like, I don't want to lose any time. So you guys stop for coffee here. I'm just going to keep going up and down this run. And it's steep, like a, a steep, narrow run. And the best snow is on the side. So I'm always skiing on the side, because that's where all the, all the nice gets snow gets pushed to. Hmm. And I make a bad turn, exactly like you. I lean backwards. And when you lean backwards, you lose all control. And I shoot towards this wall of snow. And straight away, Instead, normally I would just regain control. So lean forward, take control, turn out of it. And instead, the first thing that goes into my head is, oh my God, my skis are going to go into this wall. My ski boot's going to twist. I'm going to destroy my knees. This is awful. Mm. So what happened? I leaned even further back, completely snapped, yeah. snapped my poles in half. Ooh. That was just all the fact that I was super tense and stressed and not relaxed. Whereas if I'd not had that terrible week skiing with all my friends, I would have mm. easily just leaned forward and turned out of it. Um, yeah. I'm sure that must happen in BJJ as well, right? Like, mm. you, know, if you just oh, relax yeah. into it, you probably find you're a lot more flexible, and you can take them a lot more. Mm. Um, I was watching a, a fight um, between one of the Gracies and uh, I can't remember; I've, I've lost the names, guys. I'm afraid. But you've got the Gracies, and then you've got a couple of other big families that are challenging them. And you have one of the top guys, two top guys fighting each other, and the Gracie guy is losing. So they're both in a in a in a, a lock, and the guy is twisting his knee and he's twisting and twisting and twisting, and he hears a pop. And he basically says to the ref, his knee is gone, I've won. Mm-hmm. And the other guy, the Gracie guy is like, doesn't hurt, yeah. I'm not tapping out. Like, Jesus, yeah. how relaxed are you? To, <laughs> the guy has torn your meniscus and probably an ACL, and you're just lying there being like, I'm not tapping out. Yeah, i just exactly. so adamant that I am in control of this situation, I'm not tapping out. It's a draw. Yeah. They literally yeah. lay there for about 10 minutes. The guy can't yeah. twist his knee any further it's broken like, yeah exactly amazing. that's all mental attitude and years of training of just mm. relax into it okay he's got me i can't find my out i'll just relax mm. amazing yeah, kind yeah, of I mean, pathetic, but amazing mm-hmm. yeah
0: totally it's like they've got an extreme amount of pride and yeah. uh so yeah it, it, whoever's listening we don't recommend that you relax to that mm. degree <laughs> tap tap out please tap out <laughs> so, yeah <laughs> but uh yeah but it just goes shows like you can just you just override it you, know, you can mm. just override it it's uh, yeah it's pretty wild.
1: I think in terms of going back to your question um, in terms of where to start mm. um, some people are naturally less emotional so I would say a, a it's a it's a strength and a weakness of mine so I, I am a pretty calm you know I'm always I'm always around here um, it would take quite a lot for me to get very angry it would take a huge amount for me to get angry um, But I also don't laugh as deep as my wife, so my wife is is also quite a calm person. That's why you know I married her. But she is quicker to to laugh till she cries than I am. Uh, It would take quite a lot for me to get to the you know, and I I I regret that you know. I watch her laughing, and she'll something silly, and she'll be laughing till she cries. I'm like, oh man, I wish I was like that. Um, Or she'll you know watch something on TV and burst into tears with emotion, you know, because she's so in it. I'm like. That's kind of great that you you experience this this breadth of emotion on a regular basis. I'm quite dull. I'm just kind of here. I'm kind of <laughs> happy, calm. And if something happens, like oh yeah, that's kind of fun. That's cool. And if I'm something bad, here, oh yeah. it kind of sucks. But never mind. Um, so I think I, we all have natural strengths and weaknesses. So some people will have to work harder on it um, of trying to get that detachment and trying to calm down and set back. Um, but the, you know that's not a negative. It might be you You enjoy things more than I do. You know, mm-hmm. chocolate like, taste better and make you feel better. Whereas for me, chocolate's like, a, oh, that was nice. If I didn't have it, that's fine too. Um, so I don't think it's, yeah, it's that superiority it's not, thing. It's that- not,
2: really a li- not really a linear thing we can actually diagnose, but it's, it's a case of, mm-hmm. I th- I'd say, from what I'm hearing, from what you're saying, it's a case of first understanding yourself and having that objective view of stepping back and saying, oh, wow, this is me, this is really me. And then on the, ba- on the back of that, how can I then look for opposite views? Like you were saying earlier and form a wider perspective, like you were giving the example of the chair, at the start of the podcast, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not easy and I, and I've got oh, more, work to do. everyone's got more work to do. I'm sure. Um, talking about I'm sure it. About it.
0: Yeah. But it's entirely worth the effort,
1: right? Yeah. The mm-hmm. one I have with my wife is and I, we had it yesterday and she burst into tears. Like, she will not talk about death. Um, And I think it's really important to talk about death. It's it's a natural thing. You know, you've got consciousness on this life, on this planet for like 80 years if you're lucky. Uh, You could die tomorrow. It makes sense to kind of talk about it and get aware of it and, you know, realize that your loved one's going to die at some point. Get yourself into a headspace where that's an okay thing to happen. As soon as we talk about it, she starts crying. Mm, but but it's because she feels more than me so for her she straight away goes to that place of what it'd be like if everyone died whereas so she needs to work on that but she refuses Mm. um make your 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 wife cry before you feel like a jerk right (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: there's a umo's got a good quote for this one i remember you told me about it It help me out oh the uh,
2: the shakespeare one but he was uh he, he he i to identify with it more so he i think this is actually in um, what's the book called? Not yeah, Obstacle is the Way. So Ryan Holiday on Stoicism, and okay. um, talking about uh, Shakespeare and how he would talk, how he would meditate on his death, and basically say every third thought should be of the grave, to mm-hmm. to motivate you to be more right now, or to just be present right now, you know, at the yeah. very least. Mm-hmm. And um, in doing that, you kind of you the the, the sense the the. The massive, crazy, horrible occasion around death. You you see it for what it really is. You know, it's, it's it's just it's just as we have life right now, we also have death. But you know, yeah, is that the is that is that the quote you are talking that's about? The, yeah, that's yeah. the one,
0: man. Yeah, I think yeah. yeah, I think it helps to realign you. You know, just um, just to, like you said, appreciate what you have, be in the present moment, be more of who you really want to be. And mm. um, yeah, I think yeah, I think that's a good it's a good one.
1: Yeah, the Japanese have a, a phrase which is um, ichigo ichie. I probably said that horribly, but it's something like that and it, it basically translates um, in this moment uh, an opportunity or uh, this is a unique moment in time and the idea is to, to recognize that whatever you're doing whenever you're doing is a unique moment in time it will never be repeated um, so you should enjoy it and almost be nostalgic for it in the moment so enjoy it embrace it um, so I try to do that quite a lot when Let's say I'm looking after my son, and I'm knackered, and I just want to lie down and watch TV, and he mm. wants to play with me. It's just try and remind yourself, like, Ichigo Ichie. This, he will only be too like this for a short period of time. There will come a time where he does not want to hang out with me. Um, yeah. You know, I'll be the least interesting person. He'll find me dull. He'll find me boring. I'll try and tell him about Moss, and he will just be like, you are so embarrassing. <laughs> um, but now I'm the hero, and he loves me. Yeah. So it's trying to be like, who he is now will die in a few weeks' time. Mm-hmm. That's the that way to look at it. Is it that death is continually here. Our life is a continual list of deaths. My, my 20s, when I was young and single, died when I met my wife. Um, so it's trying to look at where you are now. I, I look at a lot of young guys. Um, so obviously I talk to a lot of chiropractors, and they've just graduated, and they're so set on who they're not and, and who they want to become. My, this is an amazing chance. You at the beginning, you can go off in any direction you want to. Mm. Uh, what an amazing moment. But that that will die after about two years. That initial passion and excitement and all that stuff, if you let it, it will die. Um, so these deaths are everywhere, and it's trying to recognize them. So hopefully one day when some, the the big one comes, it's just another in a long chain. Um, mm. But I think that's really important. It's, and I try to do that with my patients as well, is, is when they come in, it's trying to remember they've... I, this is a moment in time where they've trusted me with their time, money, and energy and be present with them and try and do the best I can and really listen. I think that's the best thing I do. Not in this podcast. I just talk continually in this podcast. But in <laughs> that's the what room, wanted
0: to happen. <laughs>
1: yeah, in the room, I don't talk very much at all. Yeah. It's just, yeah. yeah, okay, tell me more. Okay, mm. yeah, yeah, I hear you. I understand. Just let them talk. Um, and then I literally re- rephrase it back to them at the end. Mm. You know, OK, so as I understand it, the pain started you know, six months ago. You've seen your GP, you've seen your physio, you've seen chiropractor, it hasn't got better. Um, it's stopping you from working. You can't pick up your kids. Right, is that all right? Is there anything I missed or anything you wanted to add? By which point, they probably thought something else. Cool. OK, so I've got an idea of what your goal is, but can you phrase it for me exactly how you want it so I, we make sure we're talking the same language? Boom. OK, repeat it back to them. Is that what you meant? Great. OK, and that point, I'm not telling them anything about what I think it is, what I think they are, what they have to do. Should we just take a look? We do the examination, exp- explain it to them, um, and then here are your options. So is that something that sounds good to you, or were you looking for something else? Just make sure you're you're on the same language, so the same yeah. uh, same thing.
0: Yeah, you yeah, know, and, and the things we've just said about uh, you've just said about death as well just made me think of something else, which is. Um, for people who have been in been in pain for quite a long time as well, or what feels like forever because they're just so not used to it, potentially, whatever it is, whatever your subjective experience of the length of time that you've been in pain, and um, you can become attached to that, so mm-hmm. you actually have to let a part of you die to overcome overcome that pain. So, I remember a client of mine, um, having a second MRI done after everything started feeling great he stopped experiencing back spasms and and um he had like an 11 month period where he didn't have back spasms and to put that into context he was getting multiple several times a year uh, mm. multiple uh, back spasms and like you know lay him out for a couple of weeks on end mm. and um so he went <laughs> but he went back for an mri just to you know just to make sure like any niggles that he was experiencing there wasn't anything physically going on and uh, the radiographer or whoever was uh, interpreting his result just said uh, hey but look you got normal spine for somebody of your age you're good and he was like oh shit <laughs> it was like cuz he'd been in pain for like 6 or 7 years and mm. it was almost like to be told that you're okay and uh, mm. it was almost as if it was like oh well, i've got i got no fuss now like I, i've got nothing to nothing to hold on to there's there's nothing there's no attachment for there's no reason for me to be in pain and you kind of miss the idea of being in pain because you just we're in it for so long and, i did
1: um yeah and- the um the, the rules around imaging has changed now so it used to be mm. uh, you always needed a good reason to take an x-ray uh or an mri whereas these days uh and, and chronic pain unresolved pain was, was one of them whereas these days you have to really have a good reason for taking an x-ray or an mri just due to pain because we know the majority of uh, people are going to have something on that mri um, if you're over the age of 18, anyway, you're going to have something on that X-ray MRI that you could interpret as the cause of your pain. And it's got nothing to do with it. Um, so you know, if, you, if we, if us three had an MRI, one of us has a disc herniation um, mm-hmm. for sure. May, more than one, maybe, maybe, but mm-hmm. no symptoms of it. Mm-hmm. But if we saw it, you'd then be like, "Oh my god, I've blown a disc. It's going to compress a nerve. I'm going to lose power in my leg." Um, you know it's the end of my career what am I going to do I'm on my feet all day I teach teach classes I've got what I'm going to do and then your your nervous system makes that pain real so Mm -hmm. I really just unless there's a profound neurological weakness or like a clear reason I'm worried they have cancer Um, you know they've got unresolved neurological weakness profound you know they can't lift their toe or something like that then I'll get imaging but I almost don't want you to see what's going on with your back because I know it probably isn't gonna make you feel better about yourself um you know when i was up in the loft the other day when i came down the other thing was my ne- neck was crunching like anything mm. Straight away, it's bloody hell there's probably a bunch of like uh, uh um arthritic changes you know age-related changes to my neck yeah. you know, relax for, for h- half an hour you're fine Well, yes. if i took an x-ray out of my neck i guarantee you're gonna see some changes um mm. i don't want to know they're there <laughs> which is maybe yeah. a bit of denial, but i don't yeah. um so, a lot of people still want to push because they think imaging, so x rays, MRIs, are going to tell you what the actual cause of your problem is. It won't. There's no correlation between what you see on an x ray or an MRI and pain. Mm. That's quite a crazy absolutely. thing, to say, isn't it? Mm. Yeah,
0: absolutely. It's really so, important for people to know that as well. Yes. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, and yet, still, there's a lot of imaging done where they'll say, oh, you've you know, you've got a disc injury, uh, so disc herniation, that's the cause of it. And you think, it, doesn't match the patient's symptoms at all. Um, you know, a patient paid £500 to have private MRI done because they were so stressed about it, and now they've, now they've become that case. They've become, they've identified with their syndrome.
0: Fibromyalgia
1: is a hard one. Um, yeah. So fibromyalgia patients, do you know fibromyalgia? Um, yeah. People watching may not say fibromyalgia is basically widespread pain. Uh, it's super complicated, but it's it's often it starts with initial injury and it, it's that secondary pain we talked about. So you have an initial injury that doesn't resolve, becomes widespread pain, and it has lots of other factors like um, fatigue, you know, uh, low mood, um, anxiety, depression, bad sleep. It can, it's a real nasty one to have. Um, but that population often really binds onto uh, any diagnosis you give them and any imaging you see of them. And that can be disastrous for them. So they have an MRI. They've just got widespread pain you know the pain the the disc the disc injury you see in their back has nothing to do with the fibromyalgia but then they're oh god i've got fibromyalgia and i've got a disc injury i'm going to be google oh it's going to lead to uh, to my nerve compression i'm not going to be able to walk in, in 10 years oh my god so you know sometimes ignorance is bliss you know mm, it's yeah mm. and Very interesting, do, you, do you treat do
0: you treat people with um, fibromyalgia as well
1: I work with people from LGR. Um I'm very realistic with them about um, outcomes and what we can achieve, what we can't achieve, and and I'll set strict timelines. So with all my patients, I don't want to be the guy that you see for a year and then decide it didn't work. I don't wanna I don't want you to say you spent thousands of pounds on me and had no improvement. So uh, unless it's unrealistic, all of my patients say I say I want to see a, a meaningful difference in four to six weeks. So I want to say that four or six week period that you are telling me, yes, there is a change, um, and that might not be that the pain is gone, but it's that it, you're suffering less, that you're able to um, to move easier, you're able to to balance better. You know, there's there's something meaningful to them um, that we're seeing a change in, um, or we'll see. We talked about bad balance, bad back. We might see that they can only stand on one leg for two seconds with our eyes closed. But for people up until about the age of. Um, up until that 39, you should be able to do 10 seconds with your eyes closed, uh, and then with age, it starts to decline quite quickly, so if we just talk a bit, a bit more neurology, so your brain uses eyes, ears, and feedback from your body to control movement, balance, and posture. It's also using that feedback to control curvature of the spine, posture, and mobility. Unfortunately, as you get older, um, you tend to lose muscle mass. So, as we start to lose muscle mass, we don't get so much proprioception. So, you can't, when you shut your eyes and you're trying to feel where your body is, you can't feel where you are so well. You don't control movement as well. Um, a lot of our population are sedentary, so we're sitting in a chair all day. So, you're not training those proprioceptor systems. You can make it too stiff in the ankles, hips. You need good mobility to drive proprioception to tell you where you are so you can control balance properly. Mm. Um, as we get older, we start to get some degeneration on the neck. So if you allow the neck to stiffen up too much, the neck and feet provide a lot of that feedback. So as the neck starts to stiffen up, we start to see a, a reduction in balance. Um, the inner ear, that changes the way you know your eyes start to change with age, your ear starts to change with age. So there's a lot of reasons why we see changes in movement, balance and posture with age. Um, and so my job is to look at the health of those, look at the function of them and then say, is there... What combination of exercises and treatments can we do to try and keep them as healthy as we can for as long as we can or to repair them? So if we go back to someone who's hit their head um, and they've lost proprioception, so let's say I stick a laser on my head, I'm looking at a target, I close my eyes, turn my head away. When I come back, I should be looking straight at the target. Now, some people you'll see with a neck injury, when they turn away and they come back, they'll be way off and they have to correct. So we want to do rehab for stuff like that. Um, do you guys do stuff like that in your, with, your, with your clients? Or is that maybe a bit? Not as, that, not as deep as that, no. Very interesting. So that's a cool thing you should do. So uh, a, a good little trick is um, get a laser. There's a system called motion guidance. You basically get a laser with, uh, you can strap it to wrists, to legs, to, to head, to belly, to chest. And basically just have the patient or your clients, um, let's say it's a, an old shoulder injury, have them point at a target, close their eyes, take the the arm away, and then come back. And when they open their eyes, they should be pointing at the target or just adjacent to it. And if you see they're pointing off in a completely different place, it means they're not getting the proprioception or that their brain isn't able to interpret it or the muscles aren't working so it can't fire. So it's still complicated. Mm. Um, A lot of time people get better by, you know, they can't feel where it is um just by practicing it and then seeing visually where it was that visual system will help them remap their brain remap where they think the body parts are and so the movement gets better mm. yeah
0: very
1: interesting that's man. fascinating really really interesting yeah. so much
0: there it's, yeah exactly listen man I know you've got to get back to the kids as well Your um, wife's not gonna be happy for it's just over two hour runtime now as well she's not gonna be happy about that <laughs> I'll pay for but, Yeah, exactly. But man, this has been awesome. Really, really great talking with you as well. How can, um, so people are looking for any kind of treatment, uh, where can they find you and how can they find you online as well as your clinic?
1: Yeah, that's great, thank you. So um, my clinic is the Neuromuscular Clinic in Woking in Surrey. Um, And uh, so yeah, the the website is, uh, I'm afraid it's a really long domain name, but it's Um, neuromuscularclinic.co.uk. But just type in Jake Cook Chiropractor uh, working and I'll, I'll obviously come up, or Jake Cook Chiropractor, and I'll come up as well. Um, and then for guys like yourselves who are maybe more interested in, in learning, uh, I, I teach seminars to chiropractors, physios, um, uh, PTs and, and occupational therapists and stuff like that. So, um, and that's Bespoke Clinical Neurology Seminars and that's a much easier donate, donate, donate. donate. <laughs>
2: Is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. UK Um Great. and there uh, I have a bunch of free resources. I try to um on Facebook as well. I try to upload videos fairly regularly. But I'll admit with family life, instead of the once a week I aim for months, it's uh, it's maybe a little little bit sparser than that at the moment. But I'll I'll get back. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I
0: always I enjoy, enjoy that stuff, stuff as well. It's, it's, really, 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 exciting, right?
1: it's really I appreciate yeah. having you guys me ramble on for so long. It's probably the first That's time so I've got some- right? philosophy for a, a long, long, long time. So I really, really enjoyed it. I'm really Dude, glad. I'm really actually... glad,
2: G's had you on. Yeah, this has been yeah. so interesting, man. I'm going to go back and listen to this yeah. and then really mm. pick out because I've got I've got questions written down here, but but there's yeah. more that I want to go back in and revisit, Gene. Yeah. And Gene, and I always say this, but today's been a really really interesting talk. Oh, that's yeah, great. Absolutely. Thank you. And any yeah, questions? Pass
1: them across to me. I'm always always happy to talk. Appreciate yeah, appreciate
0: it. it. It's no, it's great. I think uh, I think we're gonna have you on again because you touched on certain things when you said concussions. I was like, that's a whole avenue that I really want to go down, especially you know when it comes to uh, for fighters or even uh, you know grapplers and stuff because it's not just about force; it's about velocity as well. So mm-hmm. the way that people get thrown around. I mean, there's more movement stuff that we could cover. There's stuff about cognition as well and how that affects movement, movement affecting cognition. As um, do. Too much stuff. I think we're gonna, we're gonna have to do a part two if you're up for it. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love
1: to. Honestly, really enjoyed it. Back whenever you're.
0: Yeah, you were. that was great. All right, people. Hope you really enjoyed it as well. And um, yeah, get in touch with us. Let us know what you think of the episode. Um, like, subscribe, comment on 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 the episode if you're watching on YouTube, and uh, if you're listening on um, Apple iTunes or on Apple Podcasts, just drop us a rating or review. Just let us know what you think of the podcast. It's uh, always good to hear from you
2: and share it as well share it please
0: yeah this this is wildly important for people to know so please please share it away